Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Hey, it's Kira. Tune in to Saturday Breakfast on Red FM from 7 a.m. and wake up your weekend with music, chats, and all that's happening in Cork. That's Saturday Breakfast on Red FM with me, Kira Revens. Hi, yes, Free Food Friday again today. It's Friday, short week for many people. So, in association with Oak Fire Pizza, text who you are and where you are to 0868104106. We will have three winners again today, each receiving four of the large pizza vouchers with sides. And you can pick them up then at their various locations. A good Oak Fire Pizza of your choice. Four of them, uh, four of them actually. Uh, Atlanticilty, Bandon, Princess Street, Gillaby Street, and new store opening very soon in the East Village in Douglas. So 0868104106 for that one. Uh, front page of the Independent this morning. Am I the only person that gets really angry when I see stories like this? 696 million euro worth of housing snapped up by investors this year alone. The Independent says that cuckoo funds are spending 50 million a week buying new Irish homes. And we heard about them actually buying new Irish housing estates. Um, I don't know how you could defend that. I mean, they are saying, oh, we need these kind of investment firms in the country because they're the ones that are building all of the big apartment blocks and office complexes in the cities like Cork and Dublin. I don't know. I mean, papers today say that uh, Leo Varadkar is supporting supporting. Uh, the Taoiseach on this with regards to the ending the cuckoo funds. The housing minister says he's going to bring proposals to bring it to an end to, to an end in the coming days. That's the story making the red tops today. But I think that's a phenomenal figure, isn't it? 50 million a week. And over the course of the last year, nearly 700, that's like three quarters of a billion euro uh, in new Irish housing stock. Uh, from houses to a marquee, uh, it dominates the front of the sun today. There's going to be guard appearance, there's going to be court appearances on Monday uh, regarding the marquee wedding. Uh, it should not have taken place. An interesting story if you're following it. The newlywed couple now and their parents have been ordered to appear in court Uh, because of the wedding reception, because they flagrantly defied a specific court order. Uh, And within the uh, Longford wedding in the Marquis was 120 people who spent three grand on uh, fast food from the local chipper. Uh, And the judge said the dogs in the street knew that this was a complete breach. Um, Now, the guy who owned the Marquis apologized. He said it was one of his, uh, uh, I can't remember exactly what wording he used, but he said, let's put it this way, he was more than sorry about how the events unfolded and it wasn't his finest moment. He said he took money for the marquee from the family back in October and he didn't have the money to pay them back. Um, so that's an interesting one because um, there was a court order uh, and the Gardaí went in then with the county council to try and take down the marquee but they found that the guests were already in it and the wedding party had begun. Now what we do know about COVID is a story in this morning's mirror that almost one in three adults has now received a COVID-19 jab. They HSC has begun vaccinating or will begin vaccinating pregnant women and people in their 50s will start getting their jabs from uh, next week. And I see that Lidl, in fact, I got a box of it here in front of me somewhere. Lidl are selling antigen test kits uh, for $24.99. The rapid SARS test, if you're uh, in kind of any kind of stage of, uh, of COVID. But certainly... Try and grab, grab onto the more positive stories and you'll find a story regarding Simon Coveney uh, who says that uh, he's very optimistic about uh, holidays abroad in July. Now, what the article doesn't say is as to whether or not it will be uh, in tandem with other European Union countries and 
some kind of a digital green passport or what have you. But he is certainly quoted as saying that travelling abroad as early as July. Huge boost for those who want to jet away to sunny or climbs this story. I'll have another twist on foreign travel uh, in a few minutes' time. But, um, of course, there's always... Uh, a story to knock you back, uh, and that is the front of the echo today with the Cork GP saying that it's been a gradual rise in COVID-19 cases, and it's a concern, particularly in Cork. Why? 42 positive cases uh, yesterday. Now, that'll only be concerned if it becomes an upward trend. You know the way it is at the moment. It's a bit like musical chairs, in and out and up and down. Um, papers also talk today about continuing confusion now, I'm totally confused as to where... It's a bit like whether or not the north side will get its um, uh, its uh, GP service back. The front of the examiner this morning says uh, that there's still a lot of confusion over the barbaric restrictions within maternity wards. And there was, I think, that there was an app now where you could book time. I don't know. I give up. COVID says they've had an increase of 25% since the start of the third COVID wave with regards to people calling them looking for help, you know, suicidal tendencies, uh, self-harm and... issues dealing with mourning and and bereavement Uh, and the nurses now um, make the front of the mail there is a campaign beginning to um, compensate frontline healthcare staff for their dedication by either giving them money or giving them extra leave and that's gathering momentum it's a headline in the mail that says payback time for nurses for the work that they did over the past 14 months and that they deserve uh, payback and they deserve um, you know to be treated uh, specially i mean there's actually a story in the in the mail this morning that regards them as being heroes and i suppose who could disagree with that walk in my shoes as the fellow says very sad story in the echo of a man in his 70s who died following a house fire in connolly park in balafihan uh, yesterday morning. That's absolutely tragic. And we also hear many different court reports. I don't have time to go through them, but the headlines just give you an idea as to what's going on in court courts these days. Man not guilty of aggravated burglary in Carrigal Line. Man accused of punching woman, remanded in custody. Father and son in court over shots fired. That's the story from uh, uh, the Rochestown Road that we've been covering, of, covering it late where they got a shotgun and ammunition and uh, stuff like that. Uh, and also there's a story of a fellow who was before the courts down in Kinsale where he was shouting abuse at a guard saying that the guard was to leave him alone because it was an abuse of power. The guard was to leave him alone because I pay your effing wages and the guard was to leave him alone because you work for me. And then he did a legger, but he was in court yesterday where the judge said he should be cutting the garden of the Garda for free for the next year. The guard declined that offer actually and said, no. I only have a small garden. I see that there's a country, there's a, a city in Italy wants to, uh, is actually debating at the moment whether or not they should rename one of their streets after Bobby Sands. It's amazing actually how many countries and cities around the world do have Bobby Sands Street, Bobby Sands Avenue, Bobby Sands Road. We're fairly lacking in that department. And we spoke of weddings yesterday. The Echo says that if you want to put a number on it, there were 50% fewer marriages in 2020, according to the CSO. And as, as cinemas bounce back, and when they bounce back, and that of course will be uh, in uh, May, May 17th, One of the films that you'll eventually be able to see is the new Bond movie. So that'll be all right, won't it? No time to die. But they need to diversify, and they're acknowledging that. So they're going to start showing um, Champions League matches, Premiership matches, soccer on the big screen, and maybe other sports besides, and that's a good idea. And if you have a moth, moth, I should say, a moth infestation at home, don't worry about it. Lots of other people are like you. Apparently, moths have quadrupled. Don't ask me why. 
blame COVID, I suppose. Uh, but I think we're actually heading into ant season now, aren't we? Indoor ant season. So ants and moths. There's no COVID restrictions in the amount of ants and moths in your house, if you need to know. The Neil Prenderville Show. And because it's Friday, there's going to be quirky stories making the papers besides that. And one is they did some research as to what was the most popular takeout in the past 12 or 13 months. And if you thought it might have been pizza, and if you thought it might have been Asian street food, if you thought it might have been any of that, you're wrong. It's the good old-fashioned chipper. Chipper. Number one, apparently, and uh, certainly on a Friday. I don't think you can beat uh, chipper fish and chips on a Friday. And isn't it, wouldn't it be great to be working for Kellogg's? Firstly, you get loads of free cereal. Imagine if you were a, wouldn't it be great to be a crunchy nut cornflake tester? I would love that job. I just love that cereal. It's not allowed in the house. It's not good for me, apparently. But I would love to be. Anyway, the reason being, workers at Kellogg's are being encouraged now to take Friday night, Friday afternoons off to help them to switch off over the summer. Can you imagine that? Bosses actually shooing you out the door at lunchtime. Get out. Go home. We have enough of you. Take time off. Enjoy the summer. Mind your mental health. So they finish work at noon on a Friday. And even the sales team can take the half day Provided they complete a full week's work during the week. Ah, it's not fair on the poor old sales team. Like everybody else making the cornflakes can go home at lunchtime Friday. But the sales team not, can't knock off till they hit their target, I suppose. <laughs> anyway, lines open at one 106 We'll come back to all of that and lots more besides. Okay, we received an email during the week from a listener who, uh, remember I was saying I'd give you a different twist on foreign travel. It's not all about going on your halls or a sunshine destination for, for a fortnight. Some people just want it come home and others just want to go home to visit family and there was a massive amount of people who responded to us they're losing out on major family occasions because of our strict quarantine rules in Ireland and they're no longer happy to take these strict rules and to continue to comply so this was the email Uh, hi Neil how come international travel only seems to be talked about in the context of people going off on their holidays Can I tell you that for thousands of people, international travel means being able to see family and close friends. It's been over a year since many have been able to travel into or out of Ireland to see mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, children, grandparents. I just feel this deserves to be talked about much more than people talk about going off for a jolly time in the Spanish sunshine. Getting on a plane may still be a while off, but for a lot of people, it is as important as inter-county travel. People need to remember that overseas travel doesn't always equal to just a sunshine holiday. And there was a massive response to that online with many, many people who are literally in that scenario. Um, And for some, it's been, I mean, even longer than a year or 14 months. Some people got the timing wrong. They didn't know the COVID was coming along. They haven't been back to see their aged parents in other countries or even here for like two years. Anyway, to the phone lines we go. Laura, good morning. Good morning. So you could relate to that email, right? Yes. So my parents live in Cork and I live here in England. And I haven't seen my parents since Christmas 2019. Yeah. And December 2020, I had my second child, a little boy. And my parents were due to come to be here for the birth because I had a cesarean infection. Um, And just before they were due to come, Mr. Johnson decided to put us in tier four here. So they were no longer allowed to travel. 
Um, so my parents not only have missed out on the first five months of my newborn life, I haven't seen them. Um, it's been quite tough. I had to do all the maternity appointments alone, which I think the same over there, all the scans, everything. So I've been quite isolated with this pregnancy yeah. and not have my parents meet my son called Rory um, it's quite difficult because you don't expect a pandemic obviously and you don't expect not to be able to go to Ireland or to come to England to see each other because I've been going to Ireland since I was a baby I come over every Easter for the World Irish Dancing Championship so it's, it's second to none coming backwards and forwards so to be told that we can't come backwards and forwards it's quite a kick in the teeth. You could, and you then, could, I suppose, if you paid for a quarantine or a hotel or something like that. Yeah, and the thing with quarantine with a five-month-old and a two-year-old is probably not the best idea. Um, you know, it'd be quite tough. Um, and it's what is nice actually stopping you, though? Um, to come over. Yeah. Um, the fact is that I'd have, to, I would have to quarantine. Um, I don't know the ins and outs of what the quarantine rules are over there. Um, I'd like to have to have a PCR test. Um, but it's also having the time and money and the extra money to spend on the extra bits and bobs that we need to come over. Because normally it's just a, a flight or a ferry, but now you have to factor in your PCR test. Or if you have to quarantine into a hotel, you have to factor all those bits in. And money just doesn't grow on trees at the moment, being on furlough and things like that. We just don't have the extra income to go and do those things. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but the UK isn't on the quarantine list, is it? Um. I don't know is it your end. For you guys to come here, it's not. But I believe for me to go over there, I would have to quarantine because we obviously had that variant back in January. No, I mean, I know you'd have to, I know you'd have to isolate in that, but I, I, I don't think you'd have to go into a hotel. I don't, I don't know the ins and outs of your rules there. I presume I'd have to isolate somewhere. I don't know where. Ah, you would. Um, I mean, you'd have to isolate and you'd have to f- take a test after four or five days, you know, that kind of thing. But it's not, it's not just me here. My sister's here with her two boys, Fraser and Felix. So she'd like, we'd like our family to be together in one place. Whereas if I come over there, it's only me. So it's, it's trying to just be everyone's being together. And it, it is quite difficult with the pandemic. I know you wouldn't um, be able no, you'd be obliged to either stay in a bedroom or something. Or, yeah, exactly. You know, stay away very, from your family very, and things for, exactly. And yeah, with, with a for five days with a positive family. test thing, you know? Yeah. It's, it's difficult to, you know, it, it's just hard. But obviously it is what it is. And we'll just, powering on and hopefully soon we can all be together um who knows it's been tough both sides of the water so hopefully things are looking up i'm due to get my job in a few weeks so it's looking good but i don't know when i'll be able to see my parents yeah 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 could you isolate for five days in the uk before you come here um no because you know get it take a test isolate for five days and then come no I'd then have to take my child out of education, yeah, which yeah. would then be a bit of a problem. But I, if there, if I want to go by myself, I could, but then I wouldn't really... Anyway, you don't... Have, yeah, I mean, who has that time to be taken? Yeah, I, I don't have that time. You know, I have, I have a job as well, so I need to go out to work and get the money back in where we haven't been able to work, because obviously being a dancing teacher, we weren't able to do much... Yeah, I know. Pandemic, but, the, so. and the, but the best that your parents can do with uh, regards to your new baby is a Zoom call or a video. Yeah, literally, I had the, I had him on the 22nd of December, and when I was back in recovery, I was straight on FaceTime to mum and dad going, here's your new grandson, have a look. I know, I know. Which isn't, which isn't, which isn't nice, you know, you, you want your family there. So, so let us let us remember that it's not about whether or not we can go to Cyprus or 
the Spanish know, islands for a fortnight. I no, yeah. and like my holidays, since I've been a child, have always been to Ireland. So for me, that is my holiday. So I'm a bit like, no, it's not about going to Cyprus or Lanzarote or anything like that. It's about seeing family and people being able to go to say goodbye to relatives if they're passing away or anything like that. You know, it's just, it's quite difficult to read. People just want to go on holiday. Gotcha. Yeah. Could be July, couldn't it? Uh, I'd hope so. It's my little girl's third birthday next month, so I'm hoping it's not too far away. Yeah. So by the yeah. time they meet Rory, he'll be probably six, seven months old. That's right. I know. I know. I know. Um, anyway, listen, I got another lot of other calls. Let me get to them, but thank you and have a good time anyway, whatever you do you this so summer. Look after thank yourself. You. Cheers. Ashling, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How where, are you? Where are you? Um, I'm in Cork City, Douglas oh, Street. Yeah, but so where do you need to go? Uh, my mother lives in England. She lives in Christchurch. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And what did you, did you miss a wedding? Uh, yeah, actually, my brother, who's living in Vancouver, uh, he was due to get married on the June bank holiday weekend. So they had a lot of family, her family, traveling from Vancouver and my other brother in San Francisco and my mother, obviously, and another brother in Scotland. So we were all supposed to meet up for the first time in about seven years. Um because, like, obviously people come home for Christmas and things like that, but not everybody could get home at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this was our opportunity to actually see everybody, and it was just, you know, something to look forward uh, forward to in this year of madness. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's just been kind of whipped away, which is kind of sad. <laughs> yeah, so for many, it's not about, as I say, holidays. It's about reconnecting with, uh, I mean, the responses, this are amazing. Canadian responses, American Lots yeah. from Europe. I see uh, it, Italians who, who can't get back and feel as if they're being held prisoners on this island. You know, yeah. many, many of them are, are working in call centers. They don't have the price of uh, 1800 two grand for a hotel to exactly. quarantine. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, like even just my mother there now, she's, she would normally be home at least four times a year. And then myself, I would travel to her maybe, you know, two to three times a year. And it's just, you know, I haven't seen her since February 2020. And she's alone kind of over there. She has her husband. But since she lost her mother, my grandmother, in February uh, uh, 2017, um, it's just, you know, we, we grew closer together. And she's missing that. She's missing the hugs. She's missing the love. You know, we do call each other, but it's it's just not the same as, you know, physically seeing each other. So, it, yeah, it's, it's been difficult. Yeah, because most people who have family around them now at this stage, if they haven't already from Monday, they'll be able to travel anywhere in the country to visit their loved ones and relatives. Why? Well, you guys and the likes of many other people here that I'll be talking to or text that I'll be reading for can't and haven't been able to. I mean, it's probably fair to say that the vast majority of people in and around Cork have seen loved ones at this stage now. Yeah, you know? like, don't get me wrong, I, I do have family here in Cork as well, but it's oh, just... But you're not, you're, it's your mum you're talking about. Yeah. Ex- exactly, it's my mum, it's, 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 you know, that, that's different, that's a different bond that you have, and I do miss her because, you know, I'm a single mom to a 12-year-old boy, and he doesn't get to see his grandmother, so it's, it's yeah, it is quite difficult for him also. Tough times for you, hopefully sooner or later you'll all be reunited again. Well, we're crossing everything now that my mum will be able to come home over the summer if if our restrictions are lifted. So, yeah, she'll be vaccinated and everything. So, um, she, hopefully, she'll be able to come home. Well, they're not on a red list. so that's They're something. not on the red list, but yeah. it's just um, being a vulnerable. She's a high-risk person. So, like, she chose not to come home 
um, because of her safety, you know, yeah. and also her husband. Her husband is seventy; he turned seventy in November, so a big birthday that he wasn't able to celebrate. But um, yeah, so she's just hoping now with uh, the two of them being fully vaccinated, they'll be able to travel home, and I'll be able to give her a squeeze. <laughs> and is that wedding going ahead in June? So it's been postponed. Um, it was meant to be in Kinsale, actually, uh, where we spend a lot of our childhood. Yeah. Uh, so, no, it's been postponed. We haven't gotten a date yet because, obviously, we still don't know where we are I know. and where we could be next year. I know. So. It's probably as well to postpone and have a bigger one. I was going to say a proper exactly. one. I don't mean that to be disrespectful to people who had smaller weddings, but you know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. I where mean, people can travel. Ha- like, I love that people are still getting married and they're really just, you know... It's all about the marriage and the, the unity that they have, you know, and it's not all about this big party, but with my brother being abroad, like they're still actually getting married in, in Canada. Yeah. Here, they're still here's a question, here's a question for you. Sometimes I ask wacky things that just come into my head. We were talking about this earlier in the week. How much do you give as a guest at a wedding? Do you have any thoughts on that? Come so, on now, Ashley. Um, be fair. Be, be honest with me. <laughs> so I gather if you're a couple invited to a wedding so that's a you know you're in a partnership i think the going rate is about 150 200 euro and me being a single person i don't have that spare cash <laughs> so it would be about 100 or if you have like a heartfelt gift something that would mean a lot to the 150 to 200 per couple okay and do you think yeah. there should be less paid when there's no reception and you're just going to the church I honestly think that it's not even about that. You know what I mean? If there's no reception, you could still give money so that it would ensure they'd have a brilliant honeymoon somewhere. You know, the I same amount is it? Nice. Pardon? The same amount? Ah, uh, we might we might be able to scale it back. It maybe a little. <laughs> You're not going to feed me. I'll give you less. No. The the sure look. It's it's not about the food really. At the end of the day, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Look after yourself. I leave you with a laugh and a smile. Take care, Ashling. Heidi, good morning. Hi, good morning. Um, what's your own situation with uh, three children, eight grandchildren? You haven't seen them? I haven't seen them, no. Um, I'm living here in Cork and they live in Jersey Channel Island. And this last um, time you were reunited was Christmas 19. Two, yeah, 2019. And we had booked to go over in the April... I'd be the same, we'd be going over like four or five times a year and they'd come over too. So it's sort of like we'd see them loads over the year. But um, since 2019, like I said, I booked in the April and in the March there was a lockdown, so that was stopped. And then my daughter had got a job in the um, coronavirus helpline actually in Jersey. So she was like, we were on Skype every day and she was sort of telling me the situation and obviously here until here had gone into a, either a, a green, hopefully, with the isolation, because I work here. And to isolate for two weeks when I get there, it, it's paying hotel costs, because obviously I couldn't stay with the family. Yeah. And then coming back here, before I go to work, I'd have to isolate for two two more weeks. So just to get a week in Jersey, it would mean... Five weeks. Five weeks off work. Yeah, and unfortunately, who can afford that? I know, I <laughs> you know. know what I mean? Plus I know. the hotels. and So it's just like, and here, obviously, still... Um, red, so you still can't, and obviously five kilometer travels, you still can't go anywhere. So it's a bit of a, a situation, really. Yeah, and do you miss them? Oh my god, we're on Skype all the time. Like it's, you know, it it, it is absolutely heartbreaking to to 
sort of like you see the kids and you can see them getting bigger and bigger and you're like, oh my goodness. It's like if my little grandson hits his birthday tomorrow, so it's like, oh God. So it's <laughs> kind of it's kind of uh, 15, 17 months. Yes, yes. And every time you plan to go over, something here has happened. So it's like, you know, you, you, you just can't do it really. And it's not like they, they wouldn't travel and they wouldn't expect me to travel in the situation. I know, here. I know. Three children, eight grandchildren. And do you Skype every day? How often? Um, the boys now, obviously, I have two boys and they're like one boy, is, he's 38 and the other one is 36. And like, obviously, they're not as much, but like with message and things like that, you know, but the, with the grandchildren, you would. Um my daughter, uh, she phones me every single morning, uh, Skypes me every single afternoon. It's like, yeah, but the boys, we Skype I know. often. I know, you know, I know. But it's, it's, it's just, oh. So when you hear people then talking about whether or not they'd be able to go on a fortnight summer oh, holiday, yeah. how does that make you feel? Well, you've seen them. I've had to work, like, I work, I don't know if I'm supposed to say, but where I work, We've had to work all through the lockdown, so and you've seen people travelling all through it. And then the other day I, I was listening to this conversation and it was like, this guy was actually on holiday and he had phoned into a radio station that I was actually listening to at the time. And he was saying <coughs> that um, he, was, he was over there, he didn't care, and at the time you weren't supposed to travel further than five kilometres. And he was like, he actually didn't care. And you'd be there and you'd be thinking, oh, my God, like, you know, it's just like you just think some people are with the, with the travel with people going away. That's not really. Yeah, I wonder was that was that caller to this program? He was off on holidays, he, works in construction and he no, no, someone oh, it else. Could have been, it could have been. It could have been. He, he was getting, he was taking the pop payment, but was off for uh, six exactly. or seven or eight weeks down and exactly. maybe down the Canaries, I think. Yeah, yeah. 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 How does that make you feel? People, you're awful because you you feel like uh, trapped here, really. Do you know which? But some people aren't. You know that they, they just like. Mm. Do you know? I don't know. It's like we're we're here, and if you follow what you're supposed to be doing, which is obviously you're trying to keep everyone safe, it's like it's just like you want to be there as much as do you know. It's breaking your heart. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're torn. You're torn. Yeah. You want to do the right thing, but yet family is family and the clock is ticking. I know. I know. And I I mean, I think that maybe that, like, to me, for people's mental health, that is, that is like essential. You know, because people are actually cracking up. <laughs> no, that's why I wanted to talk to people in that scenario who are without family and loved ones for extended periods of time. Either they're here or they're overseas and can't get here. You know? Yes. It's important. Yes. I want to get it some texts on the air as well. But listen, good luck to you, Heidi, and thanks for taking the Thank call. You. All the best. Thank Back after much. the break, Thank text 0868104106. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868104106. Red. FM. Julia says, I just don't know what to write. My eyes are filling with tears here in Madrid, reading all of the comments on your Facebook page. The last time I saw my family in Middleton, or the UK, was in 2019, and that was to lay my brother to rest in Ireland. In February this year, another one of my brothers passed away, and I couldn't go back home. I can't wait to be allowed to fly so I can give my family tight hugs 
and I need some hugs as well, especially from my ma'am. That kind of sums it up, really. It really, well, not kind of, it most definitely sums it up what it's like for people who feel trapped here or trapped overseas. Uh, I mean, bear in mind again from Monday, well, within Ireland anyway, we can go wherever we want. Caroline, good morning. Thanks for holding. Morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? I'm well. French, uh, mother of three kids, and here quite a long time, like 17 years. Yeah, this is my 17th year in uh, in Dublin, actually. Okay. And what situa- what's your situation? Yeah, so the, the situation is, I suppose, like, you know, many of the people you've spoken to this morning, Neil, um, we haven't been able to, to fly home um, on my uh, kind of professional situation of, of my husband. My husband works in um, in France, um, but he's been obviously working here in Ireland for a long time. And you know yourself, as big multinationals, they do offer you every three years a different job. And he was sent over to France. And the commute, you know, France and Ireland, it's just like the commute between, you know, the south of Ireland up to Dublin anyway. It's an hour and a half in the plane. It's nothing. Easy so peasy, yeah. We've, had, yeah. we've had over the past um, 18 months since the pandemic has started, a very difficult personal life with my husband having to be, you know, gone to France for a period of, you know, eight to nine weeks and then coming back. And, um, you know, at the, at the, the one was that there was last year in, in June. And then um, we decided to go to France over the summer last year. And we, we spent a couple of weeks in France. But, you know, uh, we haven't been uh, in France since last summer. We didn't go home for Christmas um, and, um, you know, France is in lockdown at the moment but my husband will have to go because, you know, they're starting to encourage people to go back in the office early June and we're going to be separated again for another 9, 12, 13 weeks, who knows, because of the vaccine situation yeah, and mandatory hotel yeah. quarantine. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's actually difficult on my children as well and, and you know yourself as parents, I mean, it's, you can take a lot as an adult and you can understand and you, know, you can relate to a lot of things but to tell my 11-year-old daughter that, you know, daddy is going to be away for nine or 12 weeks because, you know, we cannot really afford this two weeks mandatory hotel. Like, it, it's just nothing that, you know, you you, you want your, your dad to do or it's something very difficult. To He'd have to cough up well. two grand, you see, for a hotel. Yeah. No yeah. questions yeah, asked, yeah. just straight in. And it's just, you know, when you look at the, the situation in those hotels, I mean, we, we haven't been, but I've looked at you know, videos on, on YouTube of people who've I been there. I, um, I, I just wanted to make maybe a parallel. I have a brother who lives in Singapore and, uh, you know, between Singapore and the rest of the world, they, they also put in place this mandatory hotel quarantine. But you had to pay two grand as well, but you were put into luxury hotels and it was actually a very relaxing stay. So, you know, the, the, the government in Singapore understood that it was difficult, but they, they, they did it in a sort of, you know, but more quality quality way, if I may say. No, I mean, uh, I, I agree just, with you, you there. Know, I've spoken with people who've been in there yeah, and it, it's yeah. institutional, they believe, and the food is pretty shocking. I don't know whether it's improved in any way, shape or form. Rosario is Italian. I'll be chatting with him later on. Uh, he believes that, um, that he is uh, entitled to somebody reimbursing him the 14 days, 2000. He said, why should I pay for a hotel when I have my own apartment and I could just isolate there when I come back from Italy. No, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and I think we should we should all be entitled um, to that. I think, you know, um, I think we're, we're, we're local. I mean, I'm here 17 years, Neil. How am I different to anybody else? And why why would we have to do this? I mean, if, if you want, if you do not want tourists to come, maybe I understand. But I think for local people, we 
need to be an exception. There needs to be exception made to this program, especially if it does continue towards the summer months. Um, I was talking for you know work reasons with the French ambassador. I've been supporting the French ambassador. He was interviewed on a radio program yesterday morning, and the journalist was so rude to him. You know, she was just. But France has a lot of cases and everything. Yes, but you know, I think you really need to look at the numbers. Travel. And uh, COVID is less than 2%, but the community transmission is 17%. So, you know, I think that the press, the media, information that's circulating is just showing one side of the story. I know what you're saying. Did you you say that there are 30,000 French people? Yeah, the community is 30,000 and 50,000. Where? Where? So I think they're, they're split, you know, between between Dublin, Cork, Galway. The majority, I'd say, a, a good two thirds would be definitely in uh, in Dublin. Okay, thirty thousand, all, yeah. all, and you yeah. you regard them as all trapped. Well, I think we are all trapped. Yeah, yeah at the yeah. moment, unfortunately, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, I think you know. I, I don't know why the. I know the EU has written this, you know, letter to Ireland, and you know the media were talking about it in the beginning, and it, you know, no words, nothing, no news. We don't know where is it at. Are they going to continue it or not? I think if you look at an airline company, you can book tickets from the nineteenth of June. There's a need from the nineteenth of June. MHQ is, is, you know, going away or is it just um, because more, you know, people in the 50th age group will be vaccinated and will assume that they're going to start traveling? You know, I'm, I'm in my mid-40s. I've not been offered a vaccine, so I won't be able to travel. I think all of this is very unfair. I know, I know, unfair. I know, I know. You're upset. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not upset. I'm, I'm really happy for, you know, Irish people who are now able to travel around the country and, you know, see their family because I miss my family and I wouldn't want the entire world to miss their family the way I miss my family. So I'm, I'm delighted for them and I think it's really good news. I'm glad the country is reopening. Um, but again, I do think we, you know, there should be an exception for people in, in our situation um, because we're locals. We are like everybody else. Uh, every Irish person has missed their family or missed uh, you know, relatives from down the country. We are just in the same position. You know, we do not want COVID to continue. We'll be extra cautious. We'll do all the PCR tests in the world that are possible. But, you know, we, we need to be able to go and, and, and see our family. And what would you say if somebody said, suck it up, we are where we are. We, we're at where we are. Or we are where we're at, I should say. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think I think I'd be I'd be really sad, you know, sometimes it's better to not say anything than to start a fight. Yeah. Um but I would think it, you know, deep down in my heart that, you know, some people are just um not, not human. <laughs> Very little humanity in some people and I think sometimes you do need to look at the bigger picture as well. France at the, at the moment with, you know, Brexit is the closest uh, EU partner of Ireland. So I think instead of, you know, closing down the um, you know, they should be opening and they should be welcoming French people okay. because we're going to have to partner as well. So, you know, I think it's, yeah, anyway. Anyway, look after yourself. Thanks. You made some very excellent points. Thank you so much. Mind yourself, Caroline. A lot of texts on this. Uh, I miss my home so much. I miss my grand. I miss my children, miss their grandma, their aunties, their uncles, their cousins. Uh, no one who moved to another country for whatever reason could have predicted a pandemic banning all international travel. I can't wait for this nightmare to be over. Michelle says, my mother is in California. I'm an only child. I haven't seen her since my son's. I haven't seen her since my son's funeral in January 2020. Oh dear me! It's important to remember that travel is important. I haven't able. To, I haven't been able to return to the states 
to sort out my son's affairs. Oh my God, that's heartbreaking. I'm a US expat. My son lived here, but we have storage, bank accounts, etc. to sort out in America. I have to, I'm having to prolong these difficult tasks until I can travel freely without weeks of isolation restrictions. My mother has had COVID and now has other medical issues and I am stuck here. Oh, the worry and the tragedy of that text. I mean, that really puts it in focus when many are talking about summer holidays. Others are just talking about life-changing events. Uh, to Scotland we go. And a big supporter and loyal listeners of the show, Martin the Crane Driver. You're still crane driving, are you? Still at it, Neil. Good still, morning. You're still up in the sky? Um, on the ground at the minute. On the ground at the minute, mate. <laughs> All right. When were you back last? Uh, I think it's August 2019, Neil. So had your plans that were cancelled and cancelled again? Uh, no, I had wanted to come home last year, but um, I was going to book in March, but this pandemic started. Um, I had been booked in last year to go to Barcelona for the marathon. The marathon was cancelled. I got to Barcelona on the Friday, and we were told that we had to get out of Barcelona by the Saturday. God almighty. So, were you running? Yes, yes, and I was also booked in last year for uh, New York Marathon which I obviously didn't get to as well. Uh, no, I appreciate that. And and that's somewhat like lifestyle issues, if you like, or leisure. But what about family at home, back in Cove and things? Uh, just, you know, I can't get home to see them. Uh, don't know when I'll get home to see them. Um, I obviously could have done the sneaky thing and travelled from Scotland to Northern Ireland and travelled down. But, you know, that's breaking protocol with, with COVID rules. Um, people have done it, but, you know, that's why this pandemic is... It's, it's still ongoing as people breaking the rules. Well, you, know, you could have, you could have got um, come back filled in a passenger locator form. You know about that. You could have had the uh, PCR test. You know that came back negative, and right. you could have gone right. into quarantine somewhere at home in a bedroom for a couple of weeks, or come out early if you got a second test. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, but you know, you haven't got that luxury. You haven't to go home and quarantine for two weeks, Neil. You know, you want to sort of get home for a weekend or a week and then come straight back. You know, I mean, at, at work, we're tested three times every two weeks, um, lateral flow tests. Um, you know, um, you know, I don't know, see why, you know, we're coming out of a pandemic now, why we can't, you know, start getting these lateral flow tests. Actually, the But NHS, if you, you, know, if you had a PCR test, right? Yeah. No more than 72 hours before you arrived into Ireland, and that was negative. Then you come into Ireland. Yeah. You go into quarantine, yeah. right? You, after mm-hmm. after five days of arrival, you take another test. If that's still negative, you're out of quarantine from the bedroom. Would that work? Now, that's my understanding well, you, of it you, now. You've you, you wasted five days. You're all this, haven't you? You know what I mean? I know, it, 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 you know, beggars can't be choosers at times, but, you know, you waste five days. You're sitting in a house for five days that you want to go and visit people. You've lost those five days, you know, and you only get so many holidays over a, a year's period anyway at work and that. So you, you've actually going to waste, I, I don't mean to sound selfish, but you've, you've, you've lost five days of your holidays I know. in a room at home. Yeah, I know. Not, every, know? not, not everybody can take extra time either, you know. Exactly, with the, exactly, you know. Like a lot of people have 20 days, don't they? Yeah. That's it. That's it, you know. Yeah, yeah. So it's... Yeah. it's what's, like, what's, life like, what's life like there now? Have you got a lot more freedom than we have, have you? Now we're starting to move. We can move um, anywhere across the UK now. Um, things are starting to open up. Pubs, well, pubs and clubs, um, as of for the next week, I think it is. Uh, restaurants have opened up. They cannot sell alcohol unless it's outside. 
Um, but you know things things are slowly opening up, and it, it's it's looking good. You know you can get out for a meal or you know do something. So uh, if I were to ask you what you're looking forward to, it's none of that. It's just being able to come home to family. I just like to go home for a weekend, Neil. Yes. I know what you, you know, mean. Um, yeah. You know, just just to visit home, just to, to even just to set eye on the place. You know. Um, Why don't you come home and drive? the cranes in the sky in Cork or Dublin no thought is, is, is Scotland your home now well Scotland my home no married Neil um, to be you. honest um, I think the way the government are treating you people over there you're being actually screwed tax wise and everything you know it's Ireland was a great place to live at once but I think with the, the cost of living and the, you know the cost of houses and everything like that Irish people are getting screwed left right and centre it's you know I, I don't see any incentive for anybody to return home to live with the way things are being run at the minute, man. You, you, okay, well, people need to pay their fair share, right? We all agree with that. Yes. But you yes. think that people yes. are paying way more than they should? Oh, yes, Neil. Definitely. You okay. know? Okay. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. I mean, when I, I've, I didn't realise when I hear of, you know, uh, a property firm buying up a whole estate in Ireland. Mother of God, I can't get you over know, that. They're spending, they're f- spending 50 what, million what, what, a week. Yeah. Yeah, what chance is a young couple they're starting out in life to buy a house and to get on a property market? You know what are the what are the what is what's the three bedroom semi? Where are you? I'm in Scotland. I'm in Greenock at the minute. Um, you get a three bedroom semi for around a hundred thousand some places. Uh, three bedroom semi in a housing estate for a hundred and twenty five thousand euro. Yeah, some place a hundred and twenty five thousand uh, sterling. Well, if you said about a hundred grand sterling, that's about a hundred and ten, yeah. hundred and fifteen thousand euros, yeah. isn't it? that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Mother of yeah. God Almighty! It's three times that here. You'll pay the hundred and sixty mark, uh, tops one hundred and sixty. And there's some four bedroom detached going for two hundred and five, between two two hundred five, two twenty. Wow. You know, so it's, wow. You know, there's no incentive for you know. I mean, that you'll, you'll probably see once this pandemic is over, a lot of I suppose young folk from Ireland immigrating again, you know? Just to Wow. Look after yourself, my man. Stay safe, all right? Neil, can I give a mention to a guy for tomorrow, please? Um, he's doing a, a, an unbelievable feat tomorrow. It's Marco Sullivan from uh, Middleton. Um, a pal of mine on the hurling pitch. I played against him. He's walking from Mahada to uh, Middleton tomorrow for a guy called Ryan Murphy, I think it is, to get him home. Um, an unbelievable feat. He's, he's, he's walking in a full fireman's suit and the oxygen tanks on his back um, just if anybody go give him support there uh, give him a bit of support um, it's a it's a massive thing to do for, for somebody you know who's he trying to get home my friend uh, Ray Murphy is it there's a guy in Dublin he's the one to bring him home to Cork is that, oh, Fan- is, that is, his nick- is his nickname Fanta Fanta yes ah yeah. yes we've yeah. had that on social yeah. media he'll be speaking yeah. with Kira Evans on our morning show in the morning here at Red FM Ryan yeah, Murphy's the chap with the major brain surgery, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Fair play to, yeah. Fair yeah, play yeah. to him. Fair play to him. Yeah. All right, kid. Mind yourself, all right? Won't be all too right, long man. more. Take Thank care. You. Take Thank care. You. Take Bye-bye. care. Eilish, good morning. Hi, Niall. How are you? Thank you for Hi, holding. Hi. I do appreciate it. Um, tell me about family. Tell me about your own situation. Never mind about what? the two weeks' holidays. It's about family, isn't it? The two weeks' holidays? Sorry? Yeah. No, it's not just about people wanting to go on two weeks' holidays. Anyway, go ahead. Oh, absolutely not. No, no, I read that yesterday. Um, and I'm just a little bit nervous now because it's kind of delicate. Um, in 2017, as the text said, my brother-in-law, Victor, he died on the 26th of July. 
And okay, he his he, he always loved Kerry, you know, and our family. And his dying wish was to come home to be buried in Brazil. Okay. Yes. So his daughter here in Ireland organised everything, and off they brought him over, and uh, he was uh, interred in Brazil. So the following year, my sister Jojo, she she's Josephine, really, but affectionately known as Jojo, um, she came home with her little grandchild and her daughters. Jojo, they were all here for the anniversary. That was mass. the anniversary mass, yeah, yeah. For Victor, yeah. And while so, she was here, good God. While she was here, first of all, what happened was when we were at the anniversary mass, my sister Joe had never been to y'all, you know, and would you believe it? My dad built the old y'all bridge. And my partner was part of the Billy of the New Yall Bridge. So she was dying to see Yall and wanted to go to the sea. But, um, see your dad's yeah. bridge? Pardon? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, and to see the sea as well. So that was the Friday evening was her, um, was the anniversary mass. So on the Saturday, I bundled her into the car and I went off. We went up here to Tallow and the following day we went to Yall. Yeah. And we had a lovely day. Now, she was quite, what would I say, it's kind of poignant, uh, Neil, in the sense that, you know, I think she knew, I I think she knew that she wasn't going to be going back to Leeds, you know. But anyway, we had a lovely day, and that was that. On the Sunday, my niece met me in Mallow, and um, she went away home. Following Wednesday, I got a phone call. She'd had a massive heart attack. Yeah. and uh, Jojo. Jojo, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm kind of breathless, you know, but take no notice. Um, that was Jojo anyway. So, oh my God, her son and daughter had to come from Leeds. And, oh my God, it was horrible altogether. But anyway. So she died while she was here? She did, yes. She died while she was here in Ireland. She died at her daughter's house in Brussels. And um, literally she got a massive heart attack. She was taken to Tralee and straight to Cork and we got the news then later that evening. And why do you think she knew? Did, how, how, do you, how do you know you that? You know, it was like, you know, it was like, what would I say? And a lot of people said it as well, that she kind of, Jesus Christ, they were childhood sweethearts, you know, and I'd say she was pining and pining and pining for a year. She was broken hearted. But, um, you know, you just, just wonder, you know, you often hear of couples dying a couple of months apart of a broken heart, you know. But anyway, what happened then? Um, yeah, so we buried Jojo and um, then to get back to Katie Miller, then my beautiful niece, every single day she's putting up pictures of her mum. She's heartbroken. Uh, even this morning, more beautiful memories, you know. And she's a fabulous girl. I'm just mad about yeah, I'm in yeah. touch with her. Jojo died um, soon after her husband, Victor, of course. And uh, She died the following year on yeah. the 8th of March. And Victor was very buried in Brosna. And she, she and Jojo came home for the anniversary mass and was mm-hmm. here. Um, but was was Irish, wasn't she? Jo was my sister, yeah, from Brosna. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think she came home to die? A lot of us kind of feel that um, she came to obviously to see Victor, but there was something, what I say, like, you know, she, even before she died, she she texted me, you know, um, a few days after we went to y'all and she sat this time with curry and chips and everything on the beach was gorgeous. But the weird thing about it was that morning, Saturday morning, and it was beautiful summer, that summer, and that Saturday morning we woke up to us drizzling and raining and everything, you know, and I said, just anyway, what a horrible morning to go to y'all, but we, 
geared up in a minute off we went and my daughter and her boyfriend met us and they brought the dog and everything with them and we had a fabulous fabulous time but what, the minute got out of the car Neil the skies opened and it was beautiful for an hour Keep and those. It was, yeah, it's important that you keep focused on those memories, you know, and on that oh event. Oh, gotcha, absolutely. And so, absolutely. And, and so Jojo is buried in Brosna with Victor? Yeah, side and, by side, and the most magnificent headstone that their daughter got, yeah. And their daughter, Katie, and she can't get back to visit her parents' grave. She is heartbroken, heartbroken. She can't afford quarantine, but as soon as the van is lifted, she'll be on that plane like a bullet. Um... She just, what would I say, she's just, you know, every day, I not speak to her as such every day, but we do FaceTime and all that. Gotcha. And uh, I just kind of, I'm, and if you think about it, um, there's a lot of little grandchildren and great-grandchildren and Joe's, they're rock-like. And I know, I know. They miss her so much and it Kathleen puts, has kind of taken over that role, you know. She's puts, listen, all. it puts everything in perspective. Um, I, I'm going to move on if you don't mind, Alish, but that is okay. a tragic story. Um, and thank you for sharing it, sad and all as it is. I'll send um, Katie the podcast later. When, and um, Do, would you just, send it on to uh, Katie just later say hello, on? Just say hello, Kathleen Bridget Miller. There you have it. You've done it yourself. Take care. Mind yeah. yourself, Alicia. Thanks, Neil. Take Thank care. That's very, very sad. Back after 10, text 0868104106. Hi, it's Connor. Join me Sunday from 7 for Green on Red, bringing you the biggest, the best, and newest names in Irish music. Officially Ireland's music station of the year. This is Cork's Red FM. You got it in one free food Friday today, for it is Friday. So we'll have three winners, four large pizzas with sides, courtesy of ourselves, an Oak Fire Pizza. Text who you are and where you are to 0868104106. Good morning to all at the uh, Cummins Sports Warehouse staff in Little Island working away and listening. So are Cork Distribution in Little Island. Ailish in Mitchellstown's busy working from home at the kitchen table. You kept me 100% sane. Well, that's nice to hear. Back in a busy salon, Cicero Payton and Blarney Street. So it's her last weekend off. She's back in the salon next week and would love a treat ahead of it. The AMZ Claims team are working from home, especially Louise, who was up all night because her child has chicken pox. AP Vaughan Recycling, Trevor Toolhire and the Victoria Road, O'Leary Insurances, particularly Michelle Keating and all of the team. Uh, everybody working uh, at uh, O'Mahony Walsh and Main Street, Ballon Colleg, Cork Hygiene Limited on Sarsfield Road, Love Feeding Today, KRC Competitions are listening, DL Supplies on the Lower Glanmar Road, everybody working at Clodera in Kilcully, Cheeky Cherubs, I think a lot of them working from home, to be honest with you, uh, Cheeky Cherubs and Ballon Colleg, the clerical staff at Anglesey Street Garda Station the one and only Jim McCone who's 79 years young today and always hungry a hungry scribe happy birthday Jim and one more from our Dermot Dental Dermody Dental Practice on Evergreen Road so keep those texts coming 0868104106 who you are and where you are and we'll do some more shout outs in about a half an hour's time by text Breed says lots of people are struggling with all of this coming up to two years now for me since my since I seen my family back home we're such a close family I moved away from Cork we could travel a few times a year to see each other not anymore fingers crossed we're coming out the other side Elaine says I live in London I haven't seen my family in Cork for over a year and yet I've had and I've yet to meet my goddaughter. I've had two vaccines. I get PCR tested every two weeks, but still can't home come home. You see, I mean, it really is 
heart-wrenching for many people. Not everyone is worried about a bit of sun, Neil, says Laura. It's a matter of seeing family again. I myself had a baby in December who my mother and sisters haven't been able to meet yet. It breaks my heart to think that it could still be months yet before any of us could travel. Massimo says, people that uh, think that seeing the family is a privilege only for the Irish, that a family living here in Ireland. It's not true and it's not fair. Mandatory hotel quarantine makes things more impossible. A lot of people who are working here who are from overseas have like maybe 20 days, you know, a year and some even less if they're contract workers. They can't be going into quarantine hotels, they're saying, you see. Kelly says, it's been almost two years since I've seen my family in the United States and the last time I saw them, it was to say goodbye to my dad. Been wanting to make good memories with them, but I don't know when that will be. I find it very hard. Short text like that really sums it up. Uh, Shannon says, uh, I live in the USA. I haven't seen my family in nearly two years. It's not fair. If you have a negative test when you arrive, that should be all you need to go about your business. Joke of a country. And Germana says, it's so hard. And yet at the same time, it's comforting to know, listening, that many others are in the same situation as me. I've not been able to go to Italy since August 2019. I hope we'll be able to reunite with our family and friends sometime soon. And there's literally pages and pages of those. Anyway, back to the phone as we go. one 850 Keely, good morning. Can you hear me okay? No, not on line one. Sorry, apologies morning. for that. Oh, sorry about that. I'll come back in a few minutes. I thought, thought I saw line one. I'll come back in a moment after the break. Hang in there. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. You can pick up the phone on one 850 Keely's on too. My apologies. Keely, good morning. Good morning. Have you heard those texts? I've been reading out some of them from people who, you know, can't get back from America or get to America. What's your own situation? You're an American in Ross Carberry, I believe. Is that right? I am. Yes. So um, the last time I was home um, was 2019 for Christmas. Um, and we would have left to come back to Ireland in early January 2020. Mm. Um, and I haven't been home since. <laughs> so it, <clears throat> it gets difficult, you know. And I mean, I'm an only child to so my mom's on her own and yeah. Uh, yeah and how often would you have been back and forth um normally i would have been able to make it back twice a year yeah. um yeah. but then myself and my husband would go once uh together and then i'd go once by myself i know i know i know it's and it's, so you skyping and zooming and video calls and phone calls and texts and all that Absolutely. Yeah. FaceTime has been a lifesaver that way. Yeah. And what's preventing you? Is it the, the whole red list thing and the hotel when you came, if you were to come back and all that? Yeah. I mean, I guess the thing that's concerning to me is that, so if I left, yeah, what would happen when I came back? Um, I know in order to um, go back to my state, which is Maryland, I would just need to have had a negative um covid test result within 72 hours yeah um and then there'd be no problem um because i was even considering maybe try to go home and get vaccinated but then you know what happens then when i get back would i still have to quarantine um you know there are a lot of questions out there well you you'd be coming back from a red list country <laughs> yeah exactly yeah so be you'd be forking out two grand yeah yeah which is it's really unfair um, especially if I came back fully vaccinated. Um, I wonder what is the situation on that. If you got, if you were vaccinated overseas and came back in, would you still have to go? Imagine you probably would still have to go into some form of quarantine, wouldn't you? Because you could still be I'm a carrier. Sure. 
Yeah, that's true. I, you know what yeah, I mean? yeah, and I mean, I don't think that's actually been a question that's really been addressed or explored. So, I mean, if we can get an answer on that, that would be great. And what brought can for, what brought you here to yeah. Ireland? My husband. He <laughs> <laughs> decided we're off. Come with me. He's a Cork man, yeah. I bet. Is he? He's a Ross Carberry man. Yeah. All right. So, did you meet over in Maryland? No, um, I was actually in graduate school in UCC in 2011, 2012, and we ended up meeting during that time um, from a mutual friend. He was at CIT at the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then we stayed in touch and then... Oh, go on. Yeah. You went back to America and you stayed uh-huh. in touch. He came out to visit. He did, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he did, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we, we realized that... Uh, <laughs> We we were supposed to be together, and yeah. then yeah. I moved back to Ireland in 2016. And where did you marry? In Ross Carberry. Oh, and did a lot of people travel? Um, not a lot. No, we uh, we kind of tried to keep it small, but there were a few. All right, that yeah. uh, made the journey over. Yeah, beautiful place, Baltimore, Maryland, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's a bit bigger than the uh, than the Baltimore here in West Cork. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hopefully it won't be too long before you're back with your mom again, all right? Hope so, hope so. Look after yourself, cheers. Maureen, so I haven't been home in Cork to, to Cork since last July, but thanks to my vaccination, I'm flying out to Ireland in June to see my parents, and I cannot wait. wonder where you're coming from. Is it a red list country? My parents are in their 80s, have been able to get home since December 2019. I've had my first vaccination, I'll have my second one in about two weeks' time, so as soon as it's safe, I will go back to visit all my family in Cork. See, that's parents who are in their 80s. It's been two years since the last time I went to see my parents. I was meant to sail to France, but had to cancel. Lost 600 euro. I'm sick and tired of people just looking at people going abroad for sun holidays. So many of us are going home or want to go home to family. One final one for now. Amy says, I haven't been home since Christmas 2019. I had my daughter at the beginning of the first lockdown. She's now over a year old and my family are yet to meet her in person. Even her Irish family on my husband's side are in a different county uh, to us. So they literally uh, met her only a handful of times. I have a new nephew back home who I'm dying to meet. The pandemic has prevented a lot of memories being made and I'm counting down the days to be able to travel home and start making memories again. And Ashling says, not all travel is for soaking up the sun for two weeks while drinking. Lots of people are really struggling not being able to travel to see family who don't live in Ireland and have no clue when they'll see them again. It's very stressful. And there are pages and pages from home and abroad. Come back after the break. Actually, I'll tell you what I want. I'll go straight into another call. one 850 You can text 0868-104-106. Rosario, good morning. Good morning. An interesting text came in. I'm sure you can relate to it. It says, how come international travel only seems to be talked about in the context of people going off on holidays? For thousands of people, international travel means being able to see family and close friends. It's been over a year since many have been able to travel into or out of Ireland to see mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, children and grandparents. I just feel this deserves to be talked about much more than people going off on a jolly holiday in the Spanish sunshine. Getting on a plane may still be a while off, but for a lot of people, it is as important as inter-county travel. And people need to remember that overseas travel does not always equal a holiday. Now, there was a massive response to that. Um, you amongst them. What is your own situation? Uh, yes, uh, myself, I'm, uh, I'm here living since uh, 
eight years now uh actually nine uh since tw- 2012 yeah. so uh, i always worked here and i feel anyway uh almost uh, irish but uh lately anyway it's still my real family it's it's in italy my sisters and my parents mm. and especially my parents you know anyway they're old and uh, not really well so uh would be good you know that we uh, i'm able to go back more often to, yeah. to Italy, like yeah. every three four months just to to check on them and stuff and was it normal that you would go home to check on your parents every few months uh, yes, yeah, before, until now, yes. you know, it's always, I was going home every three, four months home, like three, four times per year. And you describe them as elderly and sick. So it's a very, it's a worry for you, yeah? Uh, yes, correct. Yeah. Um, and you can't travel because if you come back again, Italy is on a red list. Uh, yes, correct. Okay. And there's a massive response from other people around the world. While the rest of us think of being able to travel outside of our county from next Monday and others wondering about overseas holidays, for many, many people, it's about visiting mums or dads, sons or daughters, new babies, deaths and births in the family and family occasions overseas. That seems a lot more important to me, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, correct. I I think especially probably for for us because we're not native speakers and whatever. Sometimes we may use the terms holidays maybe incorrectly because we just mean to get vacation from work to to actually go home because we work and live here. And so we say, oh, we need to go on holidays. And so people just mm-hmm. assume that you know we are going to have fun somewhere like uh, in Spain or whatever. But most like of my real vacation from from work, I yeah. spend to go home. You said that you feel as if you're being held prisoner on this island. Um, explain that. Uh, yeah, that is the main reason, because uh, especially for Italy, right now it's few, uh, it's a while that it's uh, also with the mandatory hotel quarantine, where if I go, I must pay the, the 2,000 euro almost. But the main issue that when government put this regulation in place, they forget that to put also some regulation for employment and stuff because main thing I can't get those 14 days holidays more from from work I to see. stay in the hotel for the for the quarantine so what what you're it's saying to me problem. is you would you would you have only say 20 days holidays and 14 right. or 15 of those would be in Italy and you wouldn't be able to get an additional 14 days to go into a hotel Exactly. Yeah. Do you believe that it should be enough for you then, under these circumstances, just to have a negative test? Um, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Mm. Because your employer won't give you the extra time off, no? Uh, correct. Yeah. I mean, we should go anyway for be called sick, and we have anyway amount of certain times that we can call sick for the year. So then, when we are really sick, maybe then you can call sick. Hmm. So even do the quarantine home, you know, uh, will still be okay because probably with work from home and stuff, you can still work. You don't need to get this these days from holidays and stuff. But being stuck in your hotel and whatever, you you must then take that those days off. Yes, okay. Unless you took sick time, but that's a lot of sick time, and it wouldn't be it would be dishonest. Do you think that there should be a law whereby if you go home, then employers must by law give you two weeks for quarantine. Do you believe that? I mean, if the the law is forcing me to be in the hotel, then the law also has to assist me on achieving that without being impacted on my on my life. 
Good point. Yeah. I mean, you're not there by choice. Yeah. And tell me, do you have the ability to work from home? Do you mind me asking what you do? Uh, yeah. So myself, I work in the customer service field. So uh, actually, I mainly answer to chats. Chats. I live in a yeah chats. So yeah, even if I share the apartment, I'm still able, you know, to to get privacy from so, so from the screen and stuff. So you could go visit your elderly sick parents, come back, isolate in your apartment, and work from there, and everything would yeah. be hunky dory. Uh, yeah. And that doesn't look as if it's part of the plan anytime soon. Sure, it doesn't. Uh, I mean, this is the other point. They're not giving a precise end date or stuff and also complicate even more to get days off from work because you don't know when you can plan the flights and whatever because there are no dates. Uh, they are talking about mid-June, but without giving a precise end date or whatever. I have texts here from people all over Europe and the world. Uh, Julia in Madrid, uh, Victoria, who is, I think, in Australia. Kelly, who says she hasn't seen her family for two years in America. She can't get back to them. Uh, Breed, struggling with this. Two years since she's seen her family back in Ireland. Can't get home. Uh, Michelle, Laura, Massimo, who I think may well be. Is that an Italian name? Uh, yeah. He says... Uh, People think that seeing the family is a privilege only for the Irish who have family in Ireland, whereas mandatory hotel quarantine makes things much more impossible for us. Shannon in the USA hasn't seen her family in Ireland for two years. It would be a red list. Germana um, hasn't been able to go to Italy to see her parents since August or hasn't been back since August 2019. So there are a lot like you. Yeah. Do you miss them? Yeah, I, I miss all of them, and it's it's that for, I think I think that just that government it's forgetting about these minorities, and it's that's not that you know some measures should not be there, but when you put them in place, you should also make them feasible to achieve for everyone. I know, I know. What part of Italy do you mind me asking? Uh, yeah, myself, I'm from Salerno. It's on the south, um, Amalfi Coast. Is it so, very beautiful? Yeah, it's very nice. Yeah. Did you say the Amalfi Coast? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is that near Sorrento? Uh, yeah, yeah. I've been to Sorrento a few times. It is so beautiful. Oh, nice. Yeah, it is nice. Beautiful you food. Get some very good food. Yeah. Beautiful, <laughs> beautiful people, beautiful food, beautiful weather, beautiful views. You must miss it very much. Yeah, yeah. Mainly the food and the friends, but yes, also the view and the place. Okay. Do you visit any good Italian restaurant in Cork? Uh, yeah, we do have um, some very some good places here in Cork. Where do you like to go? Uh, so myself, personally, if I can say it, <laughs> for a coffee, I like to go to Coffee Torino. It's close to Grand Parade. Yeah. And uh, for a pizza, there is a new pizzeria in place. I think it's called Bella Napoli um, or Oak Fire. They're, I like them usually. You like the Oak Fire pizza? They like the uh, pizzas back home? Uh, I don't know now if they have it back home, but, you know, before I was used, used to go to them and, you know, I, I like them. Okay, let me send you a voucher for an Oak Fire pizza then. It might make you feel a little closer to home. How about that? Cheers. Thank you. Thanks. And you can enjoy it in your apartment. Thank you so much for taking the call, Rosario. I hope you get a chance Thank to. You. you must have traveled around Ireland a bit. 
this weekend. If the, the weather's going to be nice, I'm going to rent a car and I try to stay around Cork anyway, around the 20 kilometers and stuff. But yeah. Well, from Monday, you can go anywhere at all. Oh, nice. It's a yeah. small consolation, but at least it's something. I'll send you pizza yeah. from Oakfire. Look after yourself. Cheers. Thanks a million. Bye-bye. So. Interesting uh, couple of texts just to finish on this for now. And it really brings it home to you when you read out texts that are short, like did Jacobs. He says, I lost my mother to cancer two weeks ago in Texas. I also have brothers and sisters over there that I need to visit. We need to see each other. I'm praying for international travel soon. Lost my mother to cancer two weeks ago. Can't travel. And Jessica says, my family are all in America. I haven't seen my aging parents in 16 months. And I have no idea when or if I will see them again. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. I will revisit this uh, again. It may not be today, but I certainly revisit it for sure because a big response to it. Can I just get a couple of, just a lot of emails and texts and different topics. I'm so excited actually because I got an email yesterday from the former Prime Minister of Thailand. Really excited to engage with him. He says, greetings. I am Yingluk Shinawatra, a former Prime Minister of Thailand. I have a business proposal for you. I await your reply. So that's going to be interesting. I think he probably wants to give me money. Can't wait. Anyway, lines open, one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Rachel, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? Uh, I'm good. I don't have I don't have rats like you do, though. Crawling <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, like you. Up, are they up the walls or behind the walls? They're in the house now, Neil. This is up in uh, Cushing Road. Tell me all about it. Yeah, so I was on air with you there in March. Yeah. Um, this problem was going on about 19 months where you could hear them in the walls. Like, I mean, like, it's not scratching. It's, like, really, really loud. Um, like, like they're eating stuff. They're trying to get through the walls. Um, I've been on to everybody who will listen to me, including yourself. Um, everybody, I've been con- continu- continuously ignored the whole time. Um, on Saturday night, I was at home. Um, I was going to my mum's anyway because it's very hard to stay there. It's extremely hard to stay there with the noise. But you I said I had to leave my home at five minutes past midnight Sunday morning because of yeah. rats in the kitchen. I was literally getting my bags and stuff to go and stay at my mum's because um, like, I, I just can't stay there. It, it's not nice, but when I was getting my bag in the kitchen, um, whatever way I looked, there was a rat right there in front of me. A huge rat right there in front of me. Um, like I've been onto my house in Officer Karen O'Donovan. I've been onto every single person in the city hall. Like I've this problem is not new. It's ongoing. Nineteen months. I've been onto every TD in the north side. Anybody at all who will listen to me, Neil. And I've just I just feel like I've been ignored completely. You would lose completely. your life. You turn around in the kitchen and there's a big fat rat there. <laughs> Neil, my nerves are shot. I mean, the whole, this, this, like, I don't sleep anyway with regards to this problem. But since Saturday night, Sunday morning, I'm literally a mess. Like, I I can't sleep, I can't think, I can't eat. Didn't I visit that park? Uh, Pardon? I visited that park a few years back. You did, you did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, is, yeah, yeah. yeah, like we had um, an ongoing problem with rubbish, uh, illegal dumping, and stuff like that. The visible rubbish was removed, I think, in December. In saying that, it was there since June. Um, so, like, there was like two large skippo bags in the middle of the terrace. Um, there was uh, some of the residents there had loads of rubbish out their back. I mean, domestic rubbish for four years out their back. Was it their own? Obviously, yeah, yeah. That's why you've rats. 
Yeah, like we had like we have verandas out the back, and they they were just using them as as if they were cock city dumping. Just okay, would it, them there. Would it be fair to say, okay, you had all that domestic rubbish and rotting food that attracted the rats, right? Even yeah. after it was cleared up and cleaned up, um, mm-hmm. that maybe the rats just have moved in and are, and are nesting yeah. there, and just don't. That's, and that's their home now. There. Yeah, their nest. Yeah, that's their home now. It's not mine anymore. So regardless of whether it's clean or not, that's where the rats now live. Oh yeah, like there, there has and like our houses. I live in a duplex apartment. Um, there's no attics. We just have really high ceilings instead of attics, and the whole block is wide open. So they have the run of the eight houses. Like everybody has them there. Everybody they have it. They 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 were in other houses previous to mine, but they were not in my house until this weekend. Yes, I could hear them in the walls, which I don't even know which is worse, seeing them or hearing them, because both of them are equally disgusting. Like. My children are 12 and 8 and they are absolutely terrified. I mean, I'm terrified for our safety. We don't even have clothes to put on us, Neil. And like, I have, I put in orders because I can't go into a shop with the COVID. I've put in orders for clothes. We're waiting on deliveries for clothes. I'm in my mum's house. Like, I'm sleeping on the couch. My sister's agreed to stay in her boyfriend's house for however long she can so my children can share a single bed and like I said they're 12 and 8 they're not babies my 12 year old is almost taller than me like it's so uncomfortable for them and um, do you stay at all now in your own home or do you just stay there by day do you go there by day you don't go there at all no I couldn't no there's rats running around like I went in there on um, Monday just to try and see could I get something like as in clothes and you know like our personal items that we need like and when I went in, there, there's rat droppings everywhere, everywhere. Like they have, they own my house now. I, 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 like they live in my house. I don't. So if you could be sitting down watching television, and chances are one will run across the front room or something. My next door neighbour's dog killed one in their sitting room on Monday morning. So you're not alone. There's others whose heads are fried as well from this. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And did, did, who who owns the property? The Cox City Council. Okay, so they are landlords. Landlords have an obligation to sort that out. Why don't they? Did, did yeah. any pest Only, control call? Like, I, I have two hundred plus emails that are unanswered. I've like I've emailed since Saturday. I've emailed. I, I tell you everybody. something. No, I don't want to know any names at City Council because they rightly get upset when staff members are mentioned on air. But so let's not yeah. do that. But you've sent reams. Have you picked up the phone at all? I did. Um, I I rang. Um, obviously, Monday was a bank holiday. I rang Tuesday. Um, I rang Wednesday. No answer. I was supposed to get phone calls back. March. I was. I'm, I'm waiting on a really important phone call from. Like I was talking to somebody head in there yeah. in March. He's. He told me he'd ring me back within the hour. We're now in May. But you're like, what's um, what's the difficulty of them just booking pest control? I mean, it's only a phone call. Oh, they've sent pest control out maybe four times in the last 19 months and they've done nothing. Nothing. I know, so they must do something. Like, they're paid to do something. Well, I'll put it to you this way now, Neil. They put a rat trap in my house in August and it wasn't until I got on the air to you last March, March just gone, that they came out to check the trap. So they left it there August, September, October, November. Why are they they doing with the trap? Why are they putting rat bait down? Bring it you back. Tell me. I mean, I, I don't mean to be cruel now, but you put down the rat bait. The rat brings it back to the nest, and everybody dies. What, isn't that that's what I would think? That's what you would think, but apparently, no. That that's not what that's not the thing to do. That's my understanding of what you do. It is, would be mine as well. Yeah. Is the area cleaned up now? 
Um, it is. It is. But sure, there's no. It doesn't matter. No, their nest is there now. Um, and what do you? Who's your local councillor? Uh, Thomas Gould. Tom, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Not councillor. He's actually your local TD. Barry is this? TD. Is this? T- t- uh, Tommy, happy days when you were a councillor. Is this a council issue? Yeah, Neil. Uh, the, the, the disturbing thing about this is this is now real. Uh, we've seen this. I, I'm dealing with at least six or seven cases where people have rats in the house, just as just as your listeners are hearing there. Um, in the walls of houses, in the ceilings of houses, by the lady there the weekend before last, she went into our box bedroom to get some stuff and there was a rat in the corner. She, she walked out, she closed the door, she went downstairs, she left the house. And she moved out, she got such a fright. And so is, yeah. so is Rachel, she's moved to her parents' house Same again. But like... Yeah, I can say, Neil, I was actually a lady ragged me from... Uh, from the south side of the river, the, the exact same thing what Rachel is describing, because people have common addicts that once they get into one of yeah. the properties, yeah. they 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 have the run in of all the properties, and the issue then is, it once they get in, once rats get in, and once rats have food, so why would they move? But isn't this the responsibility of the landlord to fix it, and the landlord is city council? Yeah, I, I need. I think they need. They have to work. Like, for, well, you're listening to what Rachel has gone through over 19 months, right? You, like, you can't, you can't live like that. And I think the council no. have to. They, they have to come out support, or they have to. Like, the question is, this needs. The council have to come out and say, can they fix the problem? Can they stop it? And if not, then they have to come up with a solution. Like, they can't let people like Rachel be, like. You know, you know of things like wheels disease, don't you? And the last time, it's extremely I, the, dangerous. The time, I mean, the, the, the time I visited that estate, which was must be two years ago now, Rachel, is it easily two years yeah, ago? There was yeah. ba- there were small little babies, newborn babies, and buggies in some of the houses. Oh, and there's loads of newborn babies. It's the, it's the threat that these rats pose on our health and safety is my biggest concern. Ah, I, yeah, I have yeah, young I'm children not. myself, and like, do one of us have to get sick for something to happen? And Neil, we've been on. I've been on to the council in the last couple of weeks in relation to racials and other cases. And what I'm saying is, I think our city council have a duty of care to these families. Like it's, like it's horrific. But there's a couple of things then, Neil. Right? Um, like one of the big issues uh, came up is the dumping. Just people dumping, and racial described their people having throwing their own waste out their own back gardens or front gardens. And what I'm saying to people, if you're living next to someone like that, I you t- have to report those people to the council because... And I have. Actually, oh, I know you, I know you yeah. have, but like, like, there you are now doing everything and then you have a person who's living close to you and they're after drawing these racks. I think out. a couple of years back there was a derelict house that was being used for dumping and then there was a fence at the end of the estate, if I remember... And over the fence, everything was being dumped. Oh, that's yeah. still happening. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I remember because I visited, but so nothing's changed. Would COVID have anything to do with it where they're saying that pest control can't go into people's properties maybe or something? Well, pest, like, would say COVID pest, has- pest control is an essential service, Neil. Like if you're, you're dealing with rats, yeah. yeah. as Rachel said there, to worry about public health, like <laughs> something has to be done. Like they can't be like leaving people in this situation. And the other thing is, as long the longer we are, so the host, it's not getting any better. It's probably no. getting worse. 
Okay, yeah. so um, I think I think we're on it anyway with regards to city council. Uh, yeah, my main concern, uh, Neil, is like I actually I'm in my mum's, but there's no room for me. I actually have nowhere to go. I've nowhere to go. No clothes for me. No kids. No clothes for my kids. I don't really care about myself. It's my children. Like, what am I supposed to do? Like, sleep. I I actually have a severe back injury as well. Like, to sleep on a couch isn't isn't ideal at all for me. I I rang about yesterday for emergency accommodation. Oh, I don't know if we'll be able to give you that. My house is untenable. I've kept up every single side of my tenancy agreement. You're paying your rent regular, yeah. Exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. There's two sides to an agreement. I do, I do everything that's asked of me as a tenant. All so right. surely my landlord should keep up their end as well. Okay, uh, let, let us see what kind of a response we get to your plight. And maybe if Thomas is in a situation to help out as well, he will. I'll be and back Thomas to you. has been very good to me and I do right. thank him very and much. Back to you again, Rachel. Well. All right, thank you so much. Thank, thank you very thank much, you. Um, Actually, you're talking about emergency accommodation full, or accommodation full stop. You were in rare form in the doll this week actually uh, Tommy and of course we find this morning now uh, the news that Cuckoo Funds are spending 50 million a week nearly three quarters of a million in the last year buying up uh, housing and we've heard during the week buying up housing estates what's going on? What's going on Neil is um, Fianna Gael Michael Nolan when he was minister and I keep it very short he allowed cocoa funds and vulture funds come in here, pay no tax, and buy your property for half. Now, I think, first of all, off NAMA. And then when they got in here and they saw how much money could be made from rent, they're starting to buy up entire estates now. So what you have now is you have couples out there who are looking for, trying to buy a house, looking around the estates being built. And in all, in all seriousness, no, they won't be able to buy a house because they're all going to be snapped up. Do you know what I read this morning? It's buried in one of the newspapers somewhere. They said that the cuckoo funds are these investment funds or pension groups. They're happy to pay above the odds for a property. You know, they're not bothered if it's costing more than they should be paying for it because they know that ultimately they will make back the difference in high rents. Can you follow what I'm saying there? Yeah, you see, and actually what they're doing then is... So people can't compete at you, exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But, but they're doing that specific for a reason. They know they're paying too much for the properties, but what they're doing then is they're preventing ordinary people from getting in on them. And if you're a developer or a builder and someone comes in and if you're looking for... 250,000 for a house and they come in and offer you 280 or 300,000 like you're in the business to make money but you see Neil this was set up this was actually designed by Michael Noonan to do this but you guys will always create political point scoring we need to move on from that and fix it like you know even if it's cross party but Neil, can I say, they don't want to fix it. I was at a meeting last week, I ran the housing committee with one of them. And at the moment, we're doing, we, we were debating the, the affordable housing bill and the LDA bill. And the only thing Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael are interested in, we put in 50 motions, myself and one of them, uh, last week's meeting. We had five meetings in a week trying to go through them. Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael want private developers in at every stage of housing. Why? They don't charge them corporation tax or capital gains tax. Where's the upside for the government? Because they believe in the private sector. Can I say no, Neil? Can you ask Michael McGrath or Michal Martin or Colin Burke or Paddy O'Sullivan to come on with you some morning and they'll come on and we'll debate and we'll ask them the questions. Okay, I'll make that happen one day. Why are you doing this? Because... Can I say, Neil, the anger, 
there was a lady contacted me from Dublin Hill last night. She was fuming. She heard seen me heard me on the radio on your station yesterday morning, and she said she had a twenty nine year old son and a thirty five year old son who can't get mortgages. Who they are working? Their partners are working, and she said she she was so angry on the phone, and her worry was she's a widower and she has a house at the moment. And she, the pressure she feels because she would love to leave one of her sons move in, but then her other son has nowhere to go with his family. And she said it's so unfair and it's just not right. Yeah, I mean, I heard a story the other day of a girl who kept bumping into the same girl going around visiting properties that they wanted to buy and she was trying to buy her own first home. She got talking to this other girl and the other girl said, no, I'm not, I'm not here to buy. I work for a Chinese investment group. I've been in, I've been told to go and buy as many. This was apartments, actually, as many as two and three bedroom apartments as I can find. I mean, you can't compete against people like that. You oh, know, I need. Can I say I was in the dial when I spoke? There's a housing estate in the south side, and I, a lady rang me. She said, "Thomas, I rented here uh, two years ago for fourteen hundred a month, three bedroom, uh, a, a decent house, a, a decent house for an ordinary family to live in." And she said, they're advertising them now out there for 1800 In what space so did it go from 14 to 18? Two years. All right. Are you also aware that I'm also hearing that people are being asked for booking deposits for viewings? Did you ever hear the like of it? And Neil, they're also then trying to stop people from half getting onto it. They're asking them how are they planning to pay it? Because it's illegal to not give a person on half to, to bear them from renting but what they're doing now and I know you covered the story a few weeks ago because I was listening to you uh, what they're doing now they're saying how will you pay for this because they're trying to find out if people are unhappy and if they are then they're excluding them So in spite of what we're going through with COVID there are very very tough times ahead for people after we get out of all of this like we may be out of the woods with the pandemic but there are other fish to be fried Were, were you also talking recently of people who have homes being driven out of their homes because of intimidation, is it? Yeah, there's, there's been a spate of incidents uh, right across the city, uh, just c- complete criminality and violence. Um, I, I'm dealing with a couple of families, one of them, her, her son was out, 13 year old son was out with the dog, taking the dog for a walk, and he, a, gang, uh, a gang passed him and they stabbed him. Just stabbed him, like young fellas? Just stabbed him. They just stabbed him. He got only 20 stitches. Uh, I was speaking to the girls yesterday. She's, she's liaison with the girls. Uh, Is he all right? Flu. Well, he, he will be okay, but like he got 20, he got nearly 20 stitches. He's, he's very upset. He, he actually, he's living with his grandmother at the moment because he, he doesn't want to live at home because of the fear of it. Uh, I was talking to the lady again yesterday. She's, she's, she's shocked. Like that her child can't go and take the dog for a walk around the area and these tugs and that's the nicest word I can describe them. And it's Neil, these are there's incidents right across the city now because I described this case in the Union Echo. Yeah, you said some families have moved out of their homes. Yes, they've actually left. They've 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 locked the door and gone living with family. Why are they being picked on and intimidated? I mean what's the reason? Actually, Neil, it's it's no it's no specific reasons. What we find out, uh, corner houses t- t- definitely are an issue depending where you're living. Like yesterday morning, I got a phone call at Corpus State 
the night before uh, two houses had been attacked and the only reason they were attacked is that there were corner houses and young fellows were passing and they started throwing stones and they were uh, there weren't even stones there were rocks hopping off the windows and the cars and then they thought that was very funny aren't they were. lighting fires at the gable ends of estates as well now as I'm told yeah yeah and the other thing then they're they're uh, trying to steal people's dogs, trying to hurt people's animals, which is deplorable. Like the family I spoke to yesterday morning, they have a special care dog for her son who's five and he's autistic. And that dog is, you know, that's that's why you that dog like our, our best friends. And then you know, this these dogs and they, they they're, they're, the dogs. they're juveniles, though, are they? You see, Neil, that's the problem. And I was speaking to the girls yesterday and the day before. Now that these kids are between 12 and 17. So we call them the untouchables, like? But you see, Neil, and we, and I, are you about to speak to the girls? No, and I, I said, we need to have girls walk in the streets. Or do you know the guys who are on these bikes, the cycle bikes? Yeah. Like, I know those great... Boots on the ground, you'd call that, yeah. You, and you need, you need to be able to see them because, like... I, I came off the phone about 20 minutes ago, there now about another gang in an area that you've discussed loads of times and they were at it again at the weekend, lighting fires, battering stones, threatening people. It's, and the thing about it is, it's, it's everywhere. Like, on the back of the stories I had, a person rang me from Carrigaline, a person rang me from Ballacolleague, and a person rang me from City Centre. So I was speaking about cases I was dealing with on the north side because it's my constituents. I know, but is it raring or is it boredom or is there any excuse for it? You see, Neil, every summer, every every year this time, it increases because the nights get longer, schools, uh, kids are out more, teenagers are out more, they're into drink, drugs, antisocial behaviour, joyriding. Every year this thing happens. It's just this year it seems to be much more extreme. Do you remember the threat of Spike Island years ago? Did that make a difference? Do you recall? Yeah, for some reason. Were juvenile offenders where they were put out there for a period of time? Like what, you, like what we need, what we know is that the one thing most people are still afraid of, and they're not trying to be smart, is their mothers. And the, the fear of a guard calling to your house, for, for most people, is enough. And that's what I'm trying to do. Like the guard, you guard a diversion uh, scheme there where the guards go out and they meet with their kids and they meet with their parents. And I believe for seven or eight out of ten, that kind of guard intervention is enough. But then you. That the parents actually would be mortified or upset, would they? You don't think they would be. couldn't no, give a I damn, mean, no? I, no, I, I'd say for the majority of parents, they have the guards called to the house and their neighbours see it and people be talking about Johnny or Mary, it'd be mortified. But then you you definitely have a hardcore then who are really into trouble, but then they need to be tackled head on. So, so it's, 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 it's like, it's not a simple answer, but the, the one thing we do need is we need girls on the Okay, phone. but what's happening today then is that there's a meeting of residents about antisocial behaviour on the north side. Are you across that meeting? Yes, I'm actually going out to meet people now at 11 o'clock. Okay, so I'll, I'll let you go, but that re- those residents, where from where exactly? Grattan Hill. Grattan Hill residents? Yes, yes. Because they're having problems, is it? Yeah, you see, anywhere where there's a playground or a park, 
what we're seeing and that's one of the things I've asked the council I think there should be CCTV cameras and you know the voice monitoring that we spoke about in Kilcully Graveyard yeah. a few months ago yeah. like at least then if you had CCTV cameras and the voice monitoring and all the power how did it get so bad like it just seems to be getting successively worse than say 15, 20, 30 years there's, ago there's no fear the, the problem here is the fear for the Gardaí has gone a lot of these youngsters, and they know that the girls are so under pressure with COVID and shortage of numbers. That I put it this way, Neil, if you were to do antisocial behaviour tonight, your chances of being caught or being brought in by the girls are very small. Mm. So there's no deterrent there. Mm. Okay, okay. All right, listen, I'll let you get on to that meeting and we will put a call into. You mentioned Michael McGrath. I can set that up for early next week. I'll be back to you just to get back to the housing issue. Okay. Cool Cheers for now. That's uh, Sinn Féin TD, Cork Northside, Tommy Gould. Lines open at 1850 Back in a second. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Free Food Friday, courtesy of ourselves and Oak Fire Pizza. Just some shout outs ahead of the news. Little Hands Childcare listening on Redemption Road. Countrywide Drains and Dripsy Morning All. Alter Domus at the Airport Business Park. City Dwell Construction and Farron Ferris. Sunbeam Vets in Blackpool. Northside Tires in the Old Mallow Road would love pizza for lunch. Little Island Transport in Tivoli, all of the gang at the ED Department of the Mercy Hospital, the Lock Credit Union, Morning All, Clona Dairies in Wilton, Irish Rail at Kent Station, Doyle Shipping in Tivoli, Tots to Teen in Glanmire, All Round Beauty in Mayfield, busy prepping the salon for reopening on Monday. To everybody listening at Headway and Ballancolic, or PC Haulage in Grenada, to everybody at PMC Commercials in Ballinhasic, and they're listening at Ashgrove Waste Disposal this morning, there's lots of them. Uh, also, everybody at Basil and Ballin Temple and MB Transport working hard and finally to everybody at Smurfit Campus Solutions in Toker Industrial Estate. You still have round about t- half an hour to text who you are and where you are to 086-8104-106. We'll have three winners again this morning. Four large pizza vouchers each with sides and you can collect your Oak Fire pizza at a time that suits you. We're back after 11 on 1850 I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie and you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sports every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench, every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. Get it off your chest. Text The Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red Friday, FM. your opportunity to scoop uh, some pizza to uh, share with either your work colleagues, you might be working back at work, you could be working from home or just the family. So text who you are and where you are to 086-8104-106. Back to the phone lines to go. Friday's always extra busy, so I'm trying to do as much as we can. Anna Marie, good morning. Hi, yeah. So from Cushing Road to the south side, more rats, is it? Rats and mice? This was uh, 31 years ago. Yeah. Oh, thank I God. In, thank God, yeah, it's gone. I lived in the, the flats there in, they were in Toker. They've since been knocked down. There's a new housing estate there. Right. But um, uh, we've heard, heard them now, like in the ceilings, and once or twice then we had, we had traps down everywhere, and my son was young. So as I said, I was pregnant then as well. But uh, my mum and dad had been up one night and outside our door there was a hole um, and we were coming out one night and out fell a, a rat, a baby rat. And people were saying that you c- couldn't have rats and mice together. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't see why not, like, but they, yeah. I don't know whether how well, accurate that anyway. is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at the time, uh, my husband t- took it, put her into a bag, hung her out the back window and we went into the city hall with it <sighs> and your man told him to throw it away. Uh, after we got out, he said, yeah, we'll, we'll have your house uh, soon. And uh, 
we went over then back then as you go to a woman in room 120 in the city hall and he showed up in front of her. You're joking me, really? Yeah, yeah, and she said, oh my God, I can have you arrested for that. And he thought, go on, if I'm arrested, I can tell everyone my story. He'd need to bring the evidence to court kind of thing. Yeah, go on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but at the time, believe it or not, PJ Coogan came out and done an interview with us for 96FM. Good. I, 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 I va- yeah, he did a lot of that stuff, in fairness. Yeah, I vaguely remember. Yeah. That, was, that wasn't today or yesterday, right? Yeah. No, but um, they came out to me, said everything, said, oh, we'll have you out before the baby is born. And she did they? Was, she was four, uh, four years and one month when we got a house. And, and was there any, were there any dumping issues in the area? Because a lot of it seems to do with flight tipping, illegal dumping, people just storing things in their back gardens. Well, there would have been, there would have been, because back then, like, it wasn't um, regulated. Like, like, back then, you had no bin, you threw bags out. Ah, uh, you did not. What do you mean you threw bags yeah, out? Black, black bags, all the rubbish was in black bags, yeah, and you put them but, out at a certain spot for the, to be collected every week. And the so corporation I mean, picked up everything, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know, but um, everyone, everyone had a problem with them, but as I said, like, they were, they, they put down um, poison and everything up in the attics and the smell from them was disgusting, like. When they would die, is it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, God, but sure, oh like my. that nowadays. They didn't uh, follow through or anything. But would it be fair uh, to say, if you have no litter, you'll have no rats, or is that is that too broad a statement to make? Um, Do you know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know. I'd be honest with you. I, I wouldn't know, but I there litter would definitely draw them. Litter would definitely you know? draw them. Yeah, I know. You know like we where, where, where I'm living now at the moment, there's a load of cats around, so we have no mice. And t- and tell me this: um, he brought the rat in, uh, and he brought it to a bag. She, she said, the back window, "I could have you arrested for that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he actually just took. Now the the rat had been out there hanging out the window for a few days. Yeah, I, I certainly wouldn't be advocating that anybody do that anytime soon to be bringing a dead rat in a trap in because that's not fair. Like you know, I mean, you might well, be trying to make like we were so frustrated over it, like they the, were doing nothing. But then again, it's easy for me to say, I suppose, not having rats. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, like when you're that fr- when when it's like that, I know. you're that frustrated. Like I, know. I mean, I was terrified when the baby was born because. Everyone was saying, oh, be watching out because rats and mice tend to go to the Well, imagine if you left an unattended baby in a little rocker or a stroller or something. Yeah. Yeah, I know what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, without a doubt. Ter- terrified of her staying there. And as I said, she was four in the May and I was rehoused in the June after her birthday. All right, girl. Listen, thanks for sharing the story. Not today or yesterday, but thanks all the same. One eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text 0868104106. Let me go to, uh, I can take line three if you like. Thank you. Got him. Here's Dan. Dan, good morning. Hello, hello. Hello, how are you? Good. What have you got to share with me? Well, I remember I tell you, I lived up in Mount Elmer, Mayfield, you know? Yeah. And there was people complaining about rats around the place. And at that time, there were flats that time, and there were sheds out the front of them, you know? For hauling the bins and rubbish and all. There was no bins that time, it was all bags. Just bags, black I, bags, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I seen the young fellas going around there, a couple of terriers. Terriers? Yeah, terriers. And I said, yeah, you go for rats. One fellow said, yeah, he said, so James, I opened the shed, I opened the shed door that I wanted many men. Oh, come as a rat. So I great for him with the holiday. <laughs> I, was, I was killing them all. There was no problem. And the dogs were killing them. And every shed had the same problem there. So wherever there's, uh, wherever, wherever there's sheds and rubbish, you will get them. Yeah, and, and, and one way of dealing with it is a terrier or a cat, maybe. 
Well, if someone else didn't know anybody would have filled it. I think it all fell out happens or whatever and put them into the house dead there so that's the sun scatter. Why? Because the fellas kill them. So they, if, any fellas around, if there was any fellas around with ferrets, which they, there is. They'd have a fear of ferrets. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. They, they kill them all. They go into where they're nesting. So even if you had ferret droppings, the rats yeah, would yeah, cop yeah. that there's ferrets about and they would relocate. Oh, instantly. Okay, all right. So, well, maybe. Yeah, there must be guys around the city with ferrets. You know, I'm surprised one of them haven't come on. Well, let's see. Appreciate it all the same. Ferrets, tre- uh, terriers, or a good old-fashioned big family cat. Selena, good morning. Can you hear me okay? Good morning, Neil. Good morning, I'm here. Okay, so we have been talking about uh, a lot of different aspects when it comes to either trying to buy a property or trying to rent a property. And we were, Tommy Gould there was talking about rent increases uh, on lease side. I think they're up. I think rent increases are up dramatically. House prices on lease side are up 11% year on year. What are your thoughts on all of that? Um, just um, Tommy raised a very good point. Um, I sold a property two years ago, so um, back renting for the last two years, um, you know, still looking around for property. Um, at the moment, um, where I'm in between Douglas and Blackrock, um, the rent, the property at the moment will be 1800 It's now going up to 1950 And I've been told, myself and one other have been told, it will go to 2200 Now, ex- just, just a second. Are you looking to rent this premises property? No, I'm in this property. You're in it. I'm in okay. this property. Okay. Since, since I sold my property, All I'm right. in this renter property. Between, look, I don't want to give the... Exactly no, no, nor do I want to know. Douglas but you're it's somewhere between Douglas and Blackrock. So... Yes. Much sought after area, let us put it like that. Yes. And yes. It, it, what is it, a three-bedroom semi, a four-bedroom, what is it? Three-bedroom mid-terrace. So a three-bedroom mid-terrace, and what are you paying? At the moment, 1950 Okay. Uh, and have you, has that gone up or, over a period of time? Was that the original rent? That has gone up even in COVID. Okay. And what was the... Um, what when you come out of lockdown five and we went back into nor, well, lockdown three as such, um, it still went up. Um, it's now due to go up again. And without going into all the details, um, it's, I'm being told myself and others in the estate, it is a nice estate, it will go up to 2,100 to 2,300. Now... And that is what's happening everywhere okay. but nobody is coming out and saying this so that forgive me now i'm just trying to walk through this that where you are now two years ago the rent was 1450 was it the rent would have been approximately two years ago 1550 i'm told okay and now it's uh-huh. 1850 two years later 1950 1950 yeah sorry yeah, the figure- paying 1850 but but the best the in the estate where there is I don't know how many houses there, there could be 60 or 70 because it's different, you know, different areas um, are, are, are different estates as such some are paying 2,200 some are paying 2,400 uh, some have six people in the property so that they can pay the rent Good God 2,400 for a three bedroom yes. Yes. terrace house that would have been fifteen fifty a couple of years ago. Am I hearing you right? Less, less. If if I go back to even though I'm only back in the rented market two years, if I go back, I knew friends that were only paying nine hundred, eleven hundred max. 
And can they do that? Like, I suppose where there's no sitting tenant, they can get whatever the rent they want, yeah. can't they? Exactly, because if you're not in a property, as far as I know, if, if you move out of a property um, before you're, you're, you know, I don't think you have any rights until you're three years in the property. But look, look at it this way in Ireland at the moment. We have so many people that cannot buy. No, you have rights. You so have rights from day one, but the rights are graduate. They graduate. They improve yeah. as you stay longer in the premise, in the property. Um, and there are rent caps and rent control zones and things. But where the, you see, they could say, it's 2200 if you want to move into this vacant house because that's what the market price is in the area. That's what's happening here. Which is kind of fake news, really, when they've, crea- exactly. when they've created that's that what's demand. That's what's happening. And that's a good point. And that's um, the reason at the moment there is a cap, a rent cap in certain areas in Cork, and that's fine. But in other areas... Um, um, what you're being told when you get a letter about um, an increase on the rent, you're, you're, the evidence you're shown is this is what a house in this other area will get, or this house is getting to three to four. So we can now charge the same, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Charge the same, I should say. And of course, if you were to buy that property, you would pay nowhere near the 2400 mortgage-wise. Oh my, you probably... I mean, Half, I maybe. don't know. I'm, I, I didn't have um, a mortgage when I left um, two years ago. But I think from what I'm hearing now, people are saying you know, they, they could get a mortgage for 900 uh, to well, 1100 depending on, I don't know what the price depending is. Depending on, Certainly you know, a grand to 1200 max. Certainly not 24. Yeah. See, what they're doing is they're saying, okay, we, we can justify charging 2400 because we'll get four people in to split the rent. <laughs> It's nobody knows what's or happening. Are six people I, in I, to split the yeah. rent? God yeah. Almighty, it's insane, isn't it? It's just. I mean, I just think it's very sad. I think it's very, very sad. Is this what Ireland is coming to? I know. I know. It's cruel. It really and truly is cruel. It's. It's. it's Thank you. Thank you for sharing that example. That's a typical example in an area that would be much sought after, I suppose, and you'd be expecting to pay a little bit over the odds, but not that twenty four hundred. Thank you, Selena. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Printerville now. Eighteen fifty one oh four one oh six Red FM. So bear in mind, if you're viewing your house, you could be in line or sharing appointment times with uh, property investors or pension firms, like I mentioned earlier on funds. I should say. Actually, everything is you know rent and buying they're all connected the rental market is connected to the property purchase market as well and you see that with the cuckoo funds who are spending 50 million a week uh, on new homes three quarters of a million being snapped up by investors and we heard of housing estates being bought up by them why well then they rent them so they don't care about paying top dollar and they allow bid everybody because they know when you have examples like we've had of rent prices they know that with the high rents that they're getting they'll easily make the money back and of course property only goes one way uh, apart from when we had the complete collapse of the Celtic Tiger and that was only temporary property goes up um, and I, like for those of you that can remember as I do and for others that can't or don't know about it let me let me just tell you a short story y- years and years ago all over the country but primarily in cities corporations built houses and if they didn't build houses they uh, allowed others to build houses and they gave corporation and they gave county council loans and many people got their home through uh, a corporation loan 
which was the case with my own family because when I was born, um, we lived with my grandparents in Blackpool in Madden's Buildings. And it was a tiny corporation, I mean tiny, with an outside toilet and there was just uh, two tiny little attic bedrooms upstairs. Uh, downstairs you had a front room and then you had a main kind of a kitchen come dining room and the kitchen was tiny and an outside toilet. But ultimately then the corporation gave my family a loan and they had whatever deposit that was needed and they were able to buy a three-bedroom semi which became our home. Uh, and everybody got an opportunity to do that. And th- that that was actually privately built, those estates. But the city council at the time, corporation, were building many, many houses, uh, many, many houses in, in housing estates back in the day. Um, and I actually, as a sidebar to that, I do recall as a small boy then, for many years as a small boy, having to go twice a year with an envelope full of money. Um, and what that money was, was it was a thing called ground rent. And the ground rent then, it may have been twice a year, it certainly was definitely once a year. Um, and I would have to go to this big house way down the road and walk up this driveway and give the ground rent to the agent who was representing the owner of all of this land. And bizarrely, the owner of all of the land in which the houses were built was a fella called Lord Beaumont or the estate of Lord Beaumont in the United Kingdom. And even as a small fella, because I would see the the receipt and the receipt would be made out on this very old-fashioned receipt, you know, with very flowery lettering, the estate of of Lord Beaumont. And even as a young fella, I remember thinking, this is all wrong. This shouldn't, like, this is wrong with regards to Ireland, our country, and and paying ground rent to uh, what really would have been, I suppose, an absentee landlord. How did I get thinking of all of that? Well, I got thinking because I was yesterday reading, and I actually saw him tweet about it the, the day before. I was reading a powerful column yesterday, powerful, in the Daily Mail. Um, and it's, it's uh, Philip Nolan's column, and he was talking about the importance of building houses. And, of course, what we've learned now, even in the past 24 hours, is about you know pension funds and private investor companies buying massive amounts of houses. But he was talking about... a the life-changing events in his life. And he's saying, in July 21, July 21st, 1970, he says, I'm sitting uh, with my brother in the open back of a small truck surrounded by all our furniture. I have just turned seven. And while that birthday, like all others, was exciting, this new adventure that we were on was even better. To pick up on the story, he joins me by phone. Philip, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Where, where were you coming from and where were you going? We lived in Dunleary and when I was born, and my parents got married in 1959 and within what, four years they had three of us and we lived in the top floor flat of a Victorian house in Dunleary. So in that house between the three floors, it was two storey over basement, there were 17 people living in that house, three families and we also had my great aunt living with us because again, this being Ireland, my father was orphaned uh, in 1940 by tuberculosis. His parents and his sister had both died and so he was raised by his grandmother and a great aunt so when we got the flash the great aunt came with the flash as well um, so she was effectively our granny I guess but then uh, my younger sister came along in 1969 and I mean at that stage the six of us uh, mum and dad and the four children were sleeping in one bedroom so that position was completely untenable because while we were you know seven nine and ten um, the oldest of us you know the, the last thing anybody really wants as you start to approach puberty is no privacy yes uh, so understandable out of hand fairly quickly um, and with three so families in the same Victorian house, was that with shared bathroom? 
No, 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 no. Each unit, in fairness, uh, okay. had its own bathroom and kitchen and stuff like that. But, um, you know, for my mother, I mean, I, I often remember even the practicalities of, you know, life with four young children and you have all that washing to do. And most of it was by hand because we didn't have a washing machine. I do remember nappies being boiled in a big aluminium pot. Um, but, like, she would have to walk down three flights of stairs to get to the shared garden just to hang clothes out on the line and back up and often bring one or two of us with us with her, you know, just so we didn't get into trouble. So it was a bit like, you know, the fox and the hen crossing the river in a boat. Who do you bring and who do you leave? Uh, you know, that, that was the way life was. And, you know, I would say we didn't know any better. Mm. So, you know, it wasn't that it was horrendous or anything like that. We'd, it wasn't, you know, Monty Python, we all lived in a shoe. But, um, you know, it, it, was, it was cramped. There's no doubt about that. And for, for, for much of these years, um, uh, were, you, was, were your parents on a housing list or, or anything like that? Yes, they were. Yeah, I, I, would, I would guess they were on it, <coughs> excuse me, from the time that they had their first baby. So I would guess they were on it for 10 or 11, 10 years. Yeah, yeah. And then, long it took. then the letter came or the phone call, well, probably not a phone call, saying that there was a new home for you. Yes, and we got it a little bit earlier than we expected because we had been assigned to one new estate that was being built in Ballybrack. And then as the previous one neared completion, for whatever reason, um, some people obviously didn't take up the offer. And so we moved up by about a year and got a house. Uh, and then, funny enough, that changed everything as well insofar as the estate we got the house in was tenant purchase, whereas the one we'd originally been assigned to was rental only. Yeah. So subsequently, all those people were allowed to buy their own house. But tell me this, was it of, was it of the time when... The- the corporations were building their own houses. Well, McInerney was the builder on the house, um, which was a big builder. I, I, I know certainly in Dublin, I'm not sure if they were nationwide, but they had a fantastic reputation for building. They were nationwide, but they built for the councils in that case. They did, exactly, yes. And, and then Dunleary Corporation at the time gave what effectively was the mortgage and it was paid back. But like even at that, I know that whatever it was, 20 years later, maybe my dad took early retirement. He was a truck driver with Maxall delivering central heating oil and he took retirement at 60. And even at that stage from his retirement pension lump sum, whatever, there was still a balance to be paid off like it hadn't been fully fully paid off at that stage like didn't it make perfect sense that you had corporations and county councils um, retaining the services of building contractors to build all of their houses for them and the council owned them all it wasn't two in a terrace and it wasn't four houses in each estate it was all of them it was all of them yeah I mean I know people have compelling arguments either way but certainly uh, from my point of view when we went up to um when we went up to Ballybrack, because it was all council corporation housing, nobody had any more than anybody else. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. It, was, it wasn't like that you were jealous of anybody because we all basically had just, you know, no arson or trousers effectively. Um, so you just, everybody was on the same on the same level, on the same path. And, and people achieved hugely out of that estate. You know, I mean, uh, I won't betray anybody else's kind of careers, but there are a lot of people there who did very, very well. And when the houses were built, were the services built as well then? But did, did a community rise around it? Yeah, that took longer. I mean, you know, the, the, the school was too small. Now, it didn't matter to me because I continued to go to school in the Christian Brothers in Dunleary. So I was basically a commuting kid, which was whatever, three, four miles a day down and back. But yes, I mean, it took a while for the schools to catch up. There was a very small, limited number of like village shops. Ballybrack was a sleepy little village mm. on the way from Dunleary to Bray. But eventually, you know, a shopping centre was built. It was um, three guys, if you remember, Albert Goubet built the first supermarket there. And That's then it became right. crazy prices. And then Quinsworth and now Tesco. And then a second church needed to be built. And then another school was built as more estates, you know, grew up. Organically, like, if you like, yeah, yeah. 
we, we loved it because like there, there were trenches built for the foundations for the houses on all the other estates and for us that was like you know the first world war we had ready made trenches for our little war games so. playgrounds um, lucky for you because I fell off the top of a house actually they were building the same <laughs> ended up in the north infirmary so you were one of the lucky ones we share another story actually in the sense that your mam just like ours had the man from the Encyclopedia Britannica calling from door to door how many people remember that <laughs> Well, funnily enough, ours was a different one. Ours was the Merit Student Encyclopedias. They were actually an American uh, encyclopedia. And so as a consequence of that, I did for a while struggle with spellings because (laughs) some of them were different. American. um, Yeah, they they bought them for £75, which I think is the equivalent of around €950 now. But those encyclopedias effectively were the, the, as I said in print, they were my Google, you know. Um, I literally, I was very bookish as a kid. I literally sat down and opened the first one at A and I literally read the 20 volumes from cover to cover. But they arrived, did they get them all together and you paid by the week or something, was it? Yeah, they got them all together and they paid by the month. And uh, they also, as a kind of a free gift, they threw in 20 leather-bound classic novels. So, you know, the likes of Moby Dick and Robinson Crusoe and stuff like that. So, again, that was the foundation of a lot of what I would have read as a child. And that then probably dictated your career path, I suppose, didn't it? Yes, I mean, I always wanted to be a journalist, um, but certainly, you know, the, the, the one thing you obviously have to do for journalism is you have to be able to read and you certainly have to be able to write. And the only way you can do that really is to expose yourself to as much reading as possible and see how others write, I guess. I wonder how many people are listening, like in our, in my parents' home, my father now in the bookcase, there are two uh, Encyclopedia Britannicas, A and B. And that's it. Right. I, think, I think we got the first two free and never continued thereafter. So I never got past B. I bet you there's others just like me, actually, who got the, the teaser ones. So, so what do you make of where we're at now with all of these sweetheart deals and cuckoo funds spending 50 million a week hoovering up housing estates? What are your thoughts on all of that? Well, I just don't understand why we ever abandoned the previous model. I mean, uh, Ireland built council and corporation housing at a phenomenal rate when literally the country was on its knees. I saw an old RTE clip last night that was pointed out to me, and between 1948 and 1962, 60,000 corporation and council houses were built compared to 58,000 private houses. And even those private houses, as you mentioned, got a subsidy, I think, of 2,000 per house uh, from the government to help private developers build them. And it just seems to me now that the, the the entire model of housing provision has been devolved to landlords. Now, between sort of, you know, in what you might call the bubble years in the early 2000s, those landlords tended to be individuals who bought houses. And I'm sure they bought as many as some of these REITs are buying now in individual estates. They're called REITs. Is that short for something? Yes, it is. It's real estate, real estate investment trusts. Gotcha. Uh, and they basically... Um, the builders can't get money from banks, apparently, to complete estates uh, in advance. So these REITs put up the money in advance, which makes which makes it easier for the builder to complete them. But then they own them. I mean, just in, in my native Dunleary, permission was granted this week for a 13-story story apartment building on the seafront, which I think is going to be a hideous eyesore for starters. But, like, that's fully for rental. And the one beds will start at 1900 a month, and the two beds will start at 2400 a month. And the monthly rent roll will be €204,000 a month. Will be 2400 for a two-bedroom? Yeah. God, how did it get so, so bad? I mean, who, who, who can afford that? You know, I mean, we read a piece in the Daily Mail this week, and there was a time, I would have thought, where the most rock-solid people you could lend to if you were a bank manager were two school teachers in permanent and pensionable jobs. And we had a story this week where a, a young couple, man and woman, both school teachers, 
house in Dublin. And if two teachers can't afford to buy a house, then the model is completely broken. It's absolutely shattered. Like, what what are we supposed to do? I mean, yes, we've got this Brexit bounce, and there probably are a lot of people coming in with, you know, uh, foreign firms to work in Dublin because they can then, you know, work throughout the EU, whatever. But it is distorting the market. There's no question about that. And, you know, I'm not terribly um, upset about, you know, apartment building around, say, Silicon Docks in Dublin because a lot of the people who will come into work will come into work. Well, actually, I know you are talking about Dublin, but we can relate to that with uh, with the Docklands in Cork where there's an awful lot of... of uh, you're, are you aware that they're putting up, a, or the plans are to build more and more apartments to use that area? But people in Cork are wondering, well, who's actually going to live in them? Are they, are they, are they family friendly? Yeah, well, you see, the thing about it is, I suppose, that Cork is investing a lot of attract, uh, attracting a lot of investment now as well. And so there probably will be people who will need those short-term lets. But it, it, it's kind of, you know, it, the, the market has to run in two different ways. And I do also get the fact that it seems annoying that if you are lucky enough to have a job in a city centre that pays well you can afford to live in the city centre but then lots of people who were born and raised in the city centre and still work there have had to move out to the suburbs and they have long commutes with all the frustrations they bring when life is normal so unfortunately what all of this is doing is it's building resentment like since I put that piece up on Twitter I have been told as a fact that for every one person like my parents who got a house the person next door never worked a day in their life which is utterly ridiculous I actually spent a long time yesterday thinking about everybody who lived in every house on my road, and not one person didn't have a job. They were postmen, they were construction workers, like I say, my dad drove a truck. They were people who did solid, honest-to-God jobs, got a, got a, got a, you know, a help up the ladder, but they paid for it. They didn't get it for free. Um, but unfortunately, what, what this is now driving is a kind of them and us mentality and people saying, you know, why should I go to work 12 hours a day to pay for somebody who's never worked a day in their drinking, life? Uh, drinking cans at home kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the usual, all the usual stereotypes that make no sense whatsoever. You know yourself. Anyway, the, 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 the gist of the text or the tweet originally was build houses, it changes lives. And you'd regard yourself as an example of how building houses and getting your own home changed your life. Totally. I mean, like when we lived in the flat, where would I have gone to study? There was never a minute's peace anywhere, you know? And and suddenly, like I didn't have a bedroom of my own, obviously I shared it with my brother. But like I was able to go to my room and read and to write. And just the idea that you have, and also, you know, stability of tenure because, okay, we were in the flat for a long time, but who knows when somebody might have decided to sell that house. Whereas when you know that you're going to be somewhere for the next 10, 15, 20, 30 years, however long, and you know that you have your own little spot in that house where you can go, where you can take out your books and spread them on a the table, where you can do your homework, or your ecker, as we used to call it. Uh, it just all helps, you know, it really does. And, and also then as well, the, the ability to just go out and play, like we lived in a top floor flat, so we couldn't go out and play unsupervised. Um, so, you know, with gardens front and back, it, that also made a huge difference, as did, in fact, as I mentioned, you know, we were one of the first estates, I think, to have what we called pipe TV. So the reception was great for once. We didn't have to go around with the rabbit's ears to keep moving them to make sure we could watch RTE. <laughs> that must have been a luxury. <laughs> it was, well, it was, it was a company called Merlin. They, I think they cabled half a Dublin in the first instance. Eventually became Cable Link and now Virgin. But the same, the same pipes are still in use, I would imagine. I know. Where are we going with all of this? Will, it ever, will they ever get it right? What do you think? Well, I, I, just, I just wish somebody would take the bull by the horns because when I heard uh, Dara O'Brien saying that, you know, we would have 6,000 uh, social houses built by 2025 and nearly crashed the car, like 6,000 houses in four years? Are they mad? Mm. <laughs> 
All right, listen, thanks for stopping by. Appreciate you taking the time. Have a good weekend. That's Philip Nolan, who uh, is a fine journalist and super column in this week, in fact, every week in the uh, Irish Daily Mail. I'd love to hear more stories of people who did come from very humble beginnings and, you know, moved or, you know, maybe were reared through uh, council houses and stayed in them and some people went on to buy them themselves. You know, Philip touched there on the stereotypical image that way too many people have of those that are in council properties that don't want to work and get everything for nothing. It ain't always the case. But uh, imagine that there are people listening now who perhaps were reared, uh, perhaps all in the same bedroom, uh, perhaps with other families in, in tenements in, in the city. Uh, where bathroom facilities were shared uh, or indeed very, very small corporation houses where the families were huge, huge. Uh, love to hear that. People would love to hear you share. Text 0868104106. If you have a story to tell, you can always email neil at redfm.ie. Back after the break. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850 I heard a lovely story in the 11 o'clock news this morning. Olivia Kelleher is carrying the story in print and uh, it was the story of Daniel O'Donnell who made a huge difference uh, with regards to a family who were laying their beloved mother to rest. It was the story of Margaret McCarthy from Innes Shannon, who died in Merriamont Hospice last Sunday. And she was a huge fan of Daniel O'Donnell. They had a little clip of the story in the 11 o'clock. But I'm joined by her daughter, Anne, who joins me by phone. Anne, thank you so much for taking the call. Good morning. No problem. Thank you, Neil. What a beautiful, beautiful story. And commiserations to you and all of the family. Um, Thank you. And indeed, Jimmy, was there an anniversary coming up with with regards to Jimmy and Margaret? Was it 55 years or something? Yeah, 55 years in September. Right. Yeah. Many, many years together. They were joined at the hip, I'd say, were they? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. They were great old buddies now. You know, ah. they spend many hours making jigsaws together and just they just love being in, in each other's company. Like, so my father's really lost now. Yeah, I know. Because Jimmy said there was three in the marriage. There was him, there was Margaret, yeah. and there was Daniel <laughs> O'Donnell, is it? Yeah. That's right, yeah. What's yeah, the yeah, story? Yeah. What happened? Share it with us. Tell us about it. Uh, with regard to Daniel, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. So I suppose basically my sister's friend Dolores is marketing director with Hidden Hearing and uh, Daniel would have done work with her a few years ago. He was a brand ambassador for Hidden Hearing. And so um, Dolores got in touch with my sister and she said, send me on a picture of your mother with Daniel and I'll see if I can get Daniel to put up a message of condolence on RIP. So that's what my sister did and Dolores sent it on to Daniel and Monday night we were there looking at the condolences and uh, next thing we saw Daniel and Magella and we were delighted and I showed it to my father and he, he got quite emotional when he saw it. And then uh, the following morning, then Tuesday morning, Daniel actually rang my sister and he, you know, he spent a good bit of time on the phone with her just talking to her about my mother and, you know, and how things were and all the rest of it. Um, so it, that was lovely and it, it was a great source of comfort to us. And, you know, then we kind of put it behind us, even though we were playing Daniel music all the time for the last four or five days, we've been playing Daniel's music. And then... Um, were you playing it for her in Marymount? Oh, we were playing it for her in Marymount, yeah. My sister had it up on the pillow and, lovely. you know, because we knew the hearing was the last thing lovely, to go. So lovely, We had the Daniel music playing, so it was, it was fabulous. And um, oh so then, I mean, I was organizing the mass and the readings and the prayers of the faithful and everything. And I just told my brothers, I said, just make sure you have Daniel's Beyond the Rainbow End. Just, just make sure you have that um, ready to go after the prayers at the gravesite. I said, I don't care how you do it. So, I mean, I thought they were just, that, that's what they were going to do anyway. They were going to just have it playing on their phone and put it up against the microphone. 
and next thing the um, undertaker came over and he was just saying that most people would have a recording of their music by the graveside and I was thinking oh no there's a problem now with the music and then he said but we actually have uh, the man himself Daniel O'Donnell on the line and uh, uh, just uh, it was just amazing it was just so emotional then at that stage I couldn't believe it and he came on and sang Beyond the Rainbow's End yeah it was beyond and he didn't know that that was the song that we had actually planned to play he Apparently picked it he himself been, yeah yeah, he'd been watching the mass, you see, and um, he made contact with the undertakers, and he said, like, if he could sing, he he would. So it was just brilliant, and it was a lovely surprise for us. You know, he does that all of the time with people. He's so yeah, genuine. Yeah, you know, most yeah, of the time we don't hear. We're hearing yeah. of your beautiful story, but much of them go unreported. Yeah, no, no, I was there yesterday morning and I just felt so strongly that it, it was such a nice and kind thing for Daniel to do, you know, that I, I just emailed a few papers and told them about it and, oh, you know, I didn't think it would escalate as much as it did, like, but, you know, it has snowballed, but I, I don't mind speaking and talking about it because it's, such a lovely it's all thing highlighting, to do. it's yeah. highlighting Daniel's kindness and, and that's that's all I want to do. And, and you know, they call them lockdown funerals and that's just yeah. a term that's used, that, but... It, yeah. Was it tough? With so few you know, people there? Well, I, yes. As, as a funeral, yes, it, it was tough, of course. But in actual fact, I, I actually thought, and we all thought it was lovely and intimate because there was only the 25 of us in the church. And it, it was very intimate and it was lovely the way the people had lined the streets and there was people out in the churchyard. And, you know, it, it was really, it, it was very nice, actually. I, you know, I, I couldn't say that I wanted the church absolutely full, you know, but it, it was lovely. It really well, was. But she stopped traffic. Going through in a Shannon, I'm told. Would, yeah, and she would have been saying they can all hold on now for one five minutes. <laughs> Definitely, she would have. You know, born and reared in in a Shannon, was she? No, no, no. She was no. actually born. Uh, she was born outside Clonakilty, and then she grew up in Lee Mount in Carrigrown. And uh, then she, when she met my father, um, and she was early, in her early twenties, and they moved. Well, he was from Inishannon, so they built a house down in Inishannon in the village. And that oh, house she there would, and, she uh, be, must was, have been, yeah. she must have been beaming. And, yeah, Jim, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Jimmy as well must have thought it was a wonderful yeah. gesture. All of you did, yeah. clearly. Oh, absolutely. No, it was brilliant. And I just definitely felt that she was there looking down over uh, all of yeah, us. A graveside song for yeah. Daniel O'Donnell. Yeah. doesn't come better yeah. than that. Thank no, you so absolutely. much for taking the time, Anne. No and again, problem. our condolences no with all of the family. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Neil. Thank Take you. Care. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye-bye. Take care. Back after the break, one 850 This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at NeilRedFM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Uh, COVID antigen testing kits went on sale in Lidl stores today, twenty four ninety nine for a pack. The kit contains five tests and apparently they were limited to five packages per customer. I'm not so sure whether or not they needed to limit them or not, but sales were steady. It's to tell you as to whether you would test positive or not. Seamus was out and about. Actually got a box of it, but have it here in front of me. I might start testing people want to get off the air but Lidl selling antigen tests have a listen to this this is just a, a selection of people he bumped into who were all wondering as to what was that box and what it did my husband just said to go up and they're on sale there in Lidl so it's no harm to see if there's any um, SARS in my system I suppose is it just kind of a peace of mind thing for you? It's a peace of mind, but it's probably, I'm actually taking a step ahead of myself because I'll be tested anyway in the next probably three weeks. 
so are not testable I mean I get the vaccine yeah. so I have been tested about um, eight weeks ago and it was negative um, but I suppose that for my kids maybe because um, they're both under 18s and that's really primarily for them okay. except my husband during her 50s so we'll be we'll be getting vaccinated anyway I'd say they're one of those products that half work and half don't people uh, take them so that they feel more comfortable in themselves I'm actually getting my first job tomorrow so I didn't get them for me I would just like to have them um, if somebody's coming to visit the house just to be absolutely sure we have had a really tough time with COVID so it's just and we have a vulnerable person in the house so just to be sure when people are com- if anybody's even coming to the garden I would like to yeah so it's peace of mind yeah 100% it's the long, sticky swab up the nose job. Uh, and uh, then you get five of them. And it takes about 15 to 20 minutes for a test. So interesting, isn't it? Lidl selling um, those kind of test kits. Lines open at 1850-104-106. Last bunch of Free Food Friday shout-outs from McLaughlin's Bandon Medical Hall, Bridge Street Bandon. For everybody at Cork Cleaning Solutions in Maryborough Hill. Lit- uh, Island Auto Solutions in Little Island. Amari, Ireland. Slide Glide down on the south side industrial estate. Ling Insulation in Balfihan. CB Tool Hire listening this morning. Blackwater childcare, photo wildlife park, Callan's Kitchen and Bandon. I'm an oil delivery driver in Mallow, would love some food. Uh, the Casey family are working from home with Driscoll Motors in Inascara, Sub-Zero Cryotherapy on the Grand Parade. Uh, and I need to do some... Um, no, I won't have time for more shout-outs. Hang in there in about uh, two minutes' time. We'll pick three winners. You'll receive four large pizzas, each courtesy of ourselves, and Oak Fire Pizza. But it's a big day today. Today is the day that Roy Keane launches uh, the Irish Guide Dogs for the Blind National Fundraising Campaign. That's today, Friday, the 7th of May. And everybody's been asked to get active by walking, running or swimming um, and also to donate www.guidedogs.ie. Kino loves the dogs and we love the Irish Guide Dogs too. And so does Sinead, actually, who has a lovely story. She's a service user because she's visually impaired. And she has Fargo, aren't I right, Sinead? Fargo the dog. Yes, hi Neil, how are you? How yes, are you? How long have you got him? Um, nearly two years now. I was um, introduced to him about two years ago and I did um, a three-week um, intensive training program with the Irish Guide Dogs. Um, it was, um, you know, intense, challenging, yeah. fun, yeah. exciting, a new experience for me. And it was very rewarding because I got to go home with Fargo and he's absolutely amazing. And then a complete yeah. new lease of life for you, I'd imagine, yeah? Oh, absolutely. The independence and the confidence, you know, I'm able to go out and about. I also have a five-year-old son, um, Ben. Um, so, you know, I'm able to go to the parks more freely with him, you know, without the help of other people. Um, so, yes, definitely Fargo has given me a new lease of life. What kind of a dog is he? Um, he's a white Labrador. He's beautiful. And, and he, so, never, so clever. He, he never put, he's clever, he never puts a foot wrong, no? No, no, really. I, I've made very little mistakes or errors since I've had him. Um, so no, he's he's extremely clever. Um, um, I suppose because of the intensive training, because he's you know they're able to find entrances to the super supermarkets or to the shopping centres. He's able to find um, bus stops, uh, benches in the park. <laughs> um, he's able to locate what? Ben and my husband Kieran when I'm in the park. So he's amazing. How does he like? Will you say to him when you're in the park? Bench, Fargo. Bench, is it? Seat. Oh, I'd, find, I'd say find the bench, and he will. He'd find the seat. Um, I'd say find ah. Ben. He'd find Ben for me, so he's, he's extremely clever. Re- find a bin? No, find Ben, my son. Oh. <laughs> 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 
And what? Are, so traffic lights, no problem. No problem. Crossing the road. You take him to work. Yes, he comes to work with me. He comes in and out every day. Um, you know, I, I work as a nurse, and my colleagues all love him, and everybody loves him. And he's, you know, he's he's a real calming influence on all of us. I think. Oh my God, it's a beautiful, beautiful story. So people are being encouraged to donate, isn't it? Text Wolf, I believe, aren't I right? Yes, Wolf to five zero three zero zero, and donate uh, just four euro. And what will happen with that money? Um, well, uh, they have 80 dogs that they ho- hope to, um, it'll, it'll enable other people like me to, to um, avail of the services from the guide dog. Well, to change 80 other lives like yours this year. Absolutely, yes, that's correct. I think it co- does it cost like 25 or 30 grand to train a dog, I'm told. I'm just, oh, I think it's a lot more. Is it a lot more? You, yeah, you'd be damn sure. Unlike Fargo, yeah. who wouldn't get it right, I would get it right. It's a lot more than 25 grand. So today's yeah. an important day. That's fantastic. Um, is he there with you now? He is, and I'm, I'm rubbing him to keep me calm as I'm speaking to you. <laughs> well, give him a big hug and a rub from all of us, will you? I will, thanks. Yes, I will, of course. Okay, Sinead, lovely talking to you. Cheers. Thanks, Neil. Take, Take care. care. Great story. I wanted to finish off on a story like that because it is their big fundraising day today. And if you can help change lives, 80 lives this year, that's the aim, 80 lives, 80 dogs, then text WOOF, W-O-F-F, to 50300 to donate four euro. Well done. W-O-O-F. Woof. Free Food Friday winners all around beauty and Mayfield busy prepping the salon for reopening on Monday morning. Pizza for you guys. To all the hardworking lads in DL Supplies, Lower Glanmire Road. Pizza for you guys as well. I think they're the sanitizer people. And also for all the hardworking admin staff in the office at Photo Wildlife Park, giving people a bit of freedom back. So pizza for all of you guys, courtesy of yourselves and Oak Farm Pizza. I want to leave you with this. Um, Jim McKeown sent me a text last night. He said, I know you don't play songs for people, but you might play And I Love You So for all of the lovers, me in particular. We were 50 years married recently and it was a six pack and a sandwich. He says, I'm incidentally, I'm seven 79 today and it'll be Raza and Gudge Cake if I'm lucky. Mind yourself says the great Jim McKeown. So to lovers everywhere and a special Jim McKeown request 79 today. I'm not playing the Perry Coma version. I'm going straight to the horse's mouth if you like to the man who wrote the song. You know who this is? The man himself wrote the song, Don McLean, and I love you so. For lovers everywhere, in particular, the great Jim McKeown. Good choice, Jim. Happy birthday. He's a class act. I thought a class act. Have a good weekend. I'll see you Monday. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.